The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. And I just realised I'm doing air guitar, uh, air drums, in front of the daughter of the bloke who's actually playing drums on that. What an idiot. What an idiot. Jeez. I'm so thrilled. We've got Nettie Baker in. Good evening, Nettie. Hello. How are you doing? You are right. Good, thank you. I feel like I know you intimately, because <laughs> I've read your dirty little book. <laughs> it's a great book, Tales of a Rockstar's Daughter, and we'll say it, and we'll get it out of the way. Ginger Baker is your dad. That's right. One of... Oh, dear. ...the greatest drummers <laughs> in the world. Yes, yes. Yeah, would you say one of, or would you <clears throat> say the? I suppose it depends if he's in the room with you or not, doesn't it? Yeah, probably, but... Yeah. It's hard to say. My brother's pretty good, I have to say. Oh, really? Yeah. Kofi Baker. Have, but, you, uh, have you got any musical? No. <laughs> oh. Zero. But I'm sat here playing air drums in front of Nettie. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? Um, Catherine Boyle is here. Good evening, Catherine. I am, yeah. I'm not playing air drums. The book is Tales of, a Ro- Tales of a Rockstar's Daughter by Nettie Baker. And we're going to... I've tweeted the link earlier. I'm going to tweet the link again. So if, if, if you want to find it, I will tell you where to get it. Uh, if you want to call in and talk to Nettie about the book, about her dad, 0344 499 If you want to phone in and just talk about anything, that's, that's the vibe we've got here, Nettie. They can call in about anything. I loved your book. Thank you. Someone, God bless the person who told me about it on Twitter. I don't know who it was, but someone said, Nettie Baker's got a book out. You should, you should get her on because it's a really good read. And I loved it, right? I love my rock star biographies. I love my books about the Beatles and the Monkeys and yeah, the Who. Me too. I, I love too. all of that. Yeah. Um, and I expected this to be about cream and about your dad and all of that. And it's not. It's really interesting. You've not read it yet, Catherine. No, You're going to have it afterwards because it's great. It's about... A teenage girl struggling with a parent's divorce and struggling with boys and sometimes the family got money and sometimes they're, they're a little bit skin. And in the background 
is one of the most famous rock stars in the world. And he pops up from time to time, but it's about you. It's about you as a teenage girl in the 70s and the 80s. Was that always the decision to write the book about you? Well, no, it was. it's diaries. It's just, yeah. it's just my diaries. I kept a diary and then... You know, my mum always used to say, you know, especially in those 80s times, you know, she used to, the Lady Bracknell thing, you know, yeah. I always kill when I want something sensational to read on the train. And my mum used to say, the pages are smoking and it's written in purple <laughs> ink. And, uh, you know, it's just like my daughter does the same now. And when she reads me her diaries, they're absolutely oh, hilarious really? about things she got up to. Oh, I had no idea, you know, the allotments and stuff. So I went and go, well, but, what, what, I know we're not here to talk about your daughter. <laughs> What's thrilled. What, what, I live opposite an allotment. Now. What, <laughs> what happens in allotments? I think they, they, all the teenagers broke into one of the sheds and used it as an illegal drinking den, hey, you know, as they do. Guys, come into my house. Come on. Come, on, <laughs> come and do it somewhere safe and warm. I won't even be in the same room. That doesn't but... sound weird at all. No, I don't want to perv over them. I just want... <laughs> I remember being a teenage drinker and a drug taker, and you don't, we do it in the park. You know, mm. come, on, come and use my living room. I don't care. I'll be upstairs sleeping. Well, in my day, of course, you know, it was well, not drugs, but drinking. Drinking was you could do it when you were underage. No yeah. one really said anything. Yeah. So everyone knew the pub to go to, didn't they? Well, yeah, exactly, and that's what there's quite a few of them in there. But well, you were no the, one asked. You, you were really. the tall one in your. I group. was the tall so one. So you were the one that was 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 going to the offie and getting yes, served in pubs yeah. and things. Yeah. I mean. Does that still... I mean, because I was the tall one, so I would be the one at, at 15 that would I go to the I don't know even if I'm allowed to say what my daughter told me they did to get served. Go on. I want to read your All right, well, tell book. us what someone you don't know might have done. <laughs> she won't care. Well, she might if her workmates are listening. No, they won't. Um, <laughs> she said, you know, the girls would, like, be friendly with each other in front of the shopkeeper, and that's oh. how they get it. I oh, said, uh, Mark, we would never... It wouldn't even cross my mind to do that. <laughs> no. Lesbians didn't exist in the 70s Well, they the did, 80s. but we would never have crossed our minds that we would... As I said in the book, it wasn't until I listened to, like, Bernie Taupin's lyrics on Yellow, by Yellow Brick Road that we sort of realised there was more going on in the world than we, you know, we were, we were very innocent then. Yeah. I'm sure not everybody was, but yeah. in the circle that I was in, we were very innocent. It's an incredible ride, this whole story. Um, uh, it's quite a dysfunctional family. I think that's a, <laughs> that's a polite, yes, modern way of, of saying that everybody was effed up in your... F- you, you, okay, so you, so uh, 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 at what point were you... Bought, how old were you when your dad became famous? Or was he already famous before you were born? No, he was, you know, a struggling jazz musician. Right. He was on the jazz scene, and he's older than Eric and Jack. So yeah. he was, you know, going down Archer Street, which is where they all went to you know, get work, sort of like the Dockers or something, you know, and then they'd be picked. Yeah. And then he got, wow. you know, known and he was in, you know, played with Acker Bilt and Chris Barber and Terry Lightfoot and all those bands before he started getting into, you know, meeting Alexis Corner and people like yeah. that and then had the Graham Bond organisation. They were massive. Yeah. But they didn't sell records. They the were all... Big like, live draw. Huge live draw, influence on, like, Ian Jury, Steve Winwood, people like that. Yeah. And they were on tour with the Moody Blues, The Who... So they knew all those people, but they were huge live, and then, but they just weren't selling records. And how old would you have been then? Well, when Cream, I really don't like everyone knowing how old I am, but I've sort of given it away. Come on. I pretend that I'm not, you know, I'm 25, and that's it. But <laughs> uh, when Cream formed, I was five. Right. But it was a very vivid time, so that's why I have very vivid memories of it. And what was the vibe like in your house? When it was cream. always bad. Was it? <laughs> but cream was, you know, the, that was the fun bit, having people like, you know, before 
uh, Eric came along. Jack was in Grand Bond for a while. Yeah. And so Jack would come down from Scotland and stay the night on our sofa. And my mum used to look after him. And so Jack was there. And then we had people round him, you know, photographs. And then they'd do loads of photographs of me, which, of course, I loved it. Yeah. And then, you know, you might meet the Moody Blues and go somewhere and sit on their laps. You know, it was so exciting. And then, like, Eric coming round. I, you know, had a big crush on Eric. Did you really? Even as Scott a little girl? Walker. I remember chatting up Scott Walker when I was about four. He looked a bit worried. But, <laughs> I was always thinking, where's the party? I'm having a good time. Because the actual home life was not good. And was it not... And if I ask... You, I mean, you pretty much reveal everything in yes, here, so I yeah. feel I can ask anything. But yeah. if we ask anything that's inappropriate, tell us to jog on oh, and we'll move okay. on. But what, was it not good between your mum and dad yeah. from early doors? Yeah, because, you know, my mum was always a bit strange, a bit aggressive. Right. And my dad found that very attractive, but it sort of went wrong. Mm. And I think she had really had an undiagnosed mental illness that we didn't find out till before she died, really. Right. But we did know, but we tend to enable it by not getting her to do something about it. Okay. And then, of course, my dad, you know, he thought that was attractive, a bit of a mad woman, uh, but she couldn't cope with the, what was happening. So it was just a very volatile... There were two people. The dynamic was really violent, and it got very, very violent. What, what was her mental illness then? Did it get diagnosed well, before she passed? Before she died, they said she had an undiagnosed personality disorder, which right. apparently, if you don't get it under control by the time someone's 20, you can't do anything about it. OK. So she, she basically had depression, yeah. but she wasn't manic, because I never really saw her up. So it was sort of... She would be agoraphobic. She would be aggressive. She wasn't like it all the time. No, no, no. But you, she was dodgy. And then he just made it ten times worse. He's famously nuts. I mean, that's that, isn't he? I mean, I've, I, and I, I'm aware I'm talking about your dad, but I, I've seen the Beware Mr Baker. <laughs> and he, he, you were telling me that was kind of, he got off lightly in that yes. film. He, he is, um, I mean, he's a genius, right? He's a genius. He, he, what, what he can do with rhythms and, you know, and, and, it's, and the thing is, it's not just rock. Like you say, it's jazz, African music. He excelled in a, in a way that very few white, percussionists have been able to do. I mean, he, he's, he can work magic. But famously, very difficult man to to work with and, and to live with as well, I would guess. Well, I always say that, you know, being, you know, really highly talented and a nice person is not mutually exclusive. It, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, mm. there's loads of people that we would, you know, when you meet your heroes, you didn't like them. But you don't have to. You can just get the art. And all the yeah. people, you know, oh, he's terrible, he's awful, you know. It's like, yeah, you know, you can just put the record on, groove on down. It's not in your house. So, oh, you know. I, I want my rock stars to, to have a darkness about them. As long as they're not off, you know, raping people. I want them to have a darkness about them and, a, and an, a, an eccentricity. That's, that's what I want. Which is fine, as long as you don't have to try and live your life. Yeah, yeah. With someone very, very dominant. So what happens is their life colours everything you do and everywhere you are and your identity goes away. Yeah, because they're making money for someone, they're kind of enabled by that, aren't they? As long as, you, as, long as I give him what he needs to make me some money, I don't care what he does or how he behaves. Yeah, yes, very much so, I think. Um, you, when your parents split, you stayed with your dad. Mm -hmm. And your siblings stayed with your mum, is that right? Yeah, although it was a bit... It sounds very, yeah, it sounds, how did that come about? How did that d division get made? Well, I'm much older than them, so right. they could not, you know, they had to have a parental control. I was 18 by then, so I could do what I liked. Yeah. Or 16 when it started to go a bit. So I was off, and I feel a bit bad, because I did abandon them to 
you know, once Your mum's illness. Yeah, and so it was quite bad for them. But, you know, I didn't want to tell a story that, you know, no. like everybody get the violin out. I wanted to tell a story where, you know, let's, let's find this funny because... You know, looking back, it was funny. Was it funny? Because there is a, there is a darkness with, with with you saying your mum was ill. That actually makes a lot more sense to some of the stuff in there. Your dad, um, you know, financially up and down. Obviously um, involved with heroin, which mm. is not not a fun drug. Not no, one of not the fun really. ones. It's not. Um, but there is a brilliant kind of sense of humour in this this book. Was it was it fun growing up? Well, oh, you know, it was interesting, and that's the sort of person I am. You've just got to make it. So I yeah, worked really hard to enjoy myself, mm. and it sort of says in there there's a whole fantasy life going on at the same time. So yeah. whatever I'm reading or whatever I'm into, you know, I'm not really in reality, I don't think. But I that's think about I'm, survival, though, isn't it? I think I, don't, I never thought of it like that myself. You just, that's who you are. Mm. Yeah. And so there was always this, you know, everything was going to be fantastic in a minute. You know, Prince Charming was going to come along and it was all going to be great. So so yeah. I think that's how I cope with it. Yeah, there was a, it was just a fantasy life going on at the same time. How did the Prince Charming thing work out? Um, <laughs> There've been a lot of them. They were a lot of them were quite nice, but you know, you you they mentioned... were very handsome. So I'm just getting my pen out because I keep I keep remembering bits that I want to ask you. One, one bit you mentioned Prince Charming. You're hanging out with Prince Charles a lot. Yes, we were. And friends with Sarah Ferguson. Yes. That was a surprise. I didn't see that coming. She's one of your favourites, isn't she, Sarah Ferguson? I've got got a soft spot for Sarah Ferguson. I really, I've always thought she was wonderful. She was very nice. But, I mean, I bumped into her again. Well, I didn't. I mean, I was standing near her somewhere, but I don't, she had no clue who I was and I didn't say anything to her (laughs) in about 2005. So she's probably forgotten me. But this was all because of how do uh, this is what I don't get. How do so many sixties rock stars end up playing polo? We talked about Kenny Jones. Kenny Jones called yep. got a polo ground. Yeah, I didn't realise your dad was into polo, and and that led to you working for a long time with horses. That well, seemed I got a strange... stuck into that. I didn't really want to be do that, but there was I had no choice in the end. What, just... did, what did you want to do? <sighs> well, I think I wanted to be an actress. Yeah, <laughs> and but then I ended up in the wrong stage school. So I had I did a lambda exam when I was like ten. Yeah. Uh, but then we ended up I ended up at ballet school, so I was doing classical ballet. But I was never good enough to be a ballerina. Right. Uh, so I think I wanted to do something more, you know. And I was writing then. I was writing yeah. all the time, millions of hilarious poems and. You know, just stuff that you just write and write and write. That was a a brave move, putting the poems in teenage poetry in a book. (laughs) That's brave. They were great, but that's still a brave thing (laughs) to do. Well, I was a bit careful about, you know, it had to be up to a certain standard. (laughs) Oh, you mentioned the diaries. Yeah. So, because you... It's interesting you said that, because you do sometimes go into amazing detail... Like, on the Thursday, we went down to this pub and this, this song by Shawadi Wadi was playing on the jukebox and then Steve came over to me and said, is that all in the diary or is there a little bit of No, most in? of it is in the diary. How funny. So a lot of it's reported conversations yeah. on days because I kept them all, so I just went through them and then worked it into that. And what was that like going through the diaries? Was that fun? Was that traumatic? Some of it is. In fact, you know, book two, whenever I read that, is quite traumatic for me, although it was sort of the best time in my life, but also quite traumatic. So I do find that quite cathartic. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's brought people out the woodwork that I haven't spoken to for 40 years and things like that. So we should say, weird. This is, this, you're telling me this is book one. This stopped, yeah. when does it stop? 1985, I think. 1984, Four. going well, into, going into 85. Yeah. 
Eve. So book two is going to come. Is that coming out? You got a date for that yet? No, I haven't. But I presume that it's going to come out in the spring or summer. And so, who's come out of the woodwork then? Who, who, who what, what friends in inverted commas that you've not seen for decades have gone? <laughs> oh, Nettie's well, got a book out. There's, there's, a, there's a, a boyfriend in there. There's a boyfriend in there called Max, and he. I hadn't spoken to him. I split up with him forty years ago. Forty years ago, he was my boyfriend, and he phoned me up. No, and that was. What was he I after? Mean, well, I'd been talking to his brother for Unfinished a while business. on Facebook. Right. And, uh, and I kept saying, I'd like to just tell him this is happening. And then because he was a guy through who I met Billy Bragg, he was a mate of Billy Bragg's before Billy Bragg so, was an, famous. It's another riffraff, isn't it? Yeah. The band? yeah. Yeah, they were great. It's another. I'm, I'm jotting all these things down because there's so much I want to ask about. Let's take a quick break. We're talking to Nettie Baker. The book is Tales of a Rock Star's Daughter. I'm going to tweet the links and things in a bit. You're not on Twitter as yourself, but you run Ginger's. Yeah, my daughter runs the Ginger Baker right. Drums or something Twitter account. Yeah, so Ginger B Drums, I think yeah. it is. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio. The radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Late Night Alternative, Ian Lee and Catherine Boyle. We're joined by Nettie Baker for the first hour of the show. Tales of a rock star's daughter. You can get it on Amazon. I'm going to tweet a few more links. Is the book. It was Graham, Graham Campbell, that told me I should get oh, you on right. the show. Thank you, Graham. He said, that was me. I've been really looking forward to this interview. Um, uh, Lane said about the song that we played. Well, Lane, that language is inappropriate. Effing legendary song. Just to calm down. Um, and Carl is saying, Nettie's great. Thank so you, you. You got some fans. <laughs> so Billy, it's one of those books, Catherine, and you, I think you're going to love it, right? Where um, we mentioned Prince Charles and Sarah Ferguson just pop up. You're like, flipping out. Where did that come from? <laughs> was it when Prince Charles was hot? <laughs> <laughs> What am I saying? What are you making me say? <laughs> Prince Charles was lovely. You, did you get to speak? To, you got not to speak re- to him? No, not, well, not really, because I was at a ball where he was. Right. Before he was with, um, you know, Lady Di, he was with her sister. Oh, Lady Di still gets me. Sarah Spencer, the, right. the really skinny one. And yeah. that's who he was with when I was at a ball and he was happened to be on the same dance floor. And yeah. then later I was taking some horses. Someone, one of the pa- players said, can you take some horses down with all the grooms? And I happened to be taking the horses at Prince Charles was riding yeah. but he I don't think he spoke probably thought who's that groom in the wellies or nothing but who's so that, I never actually who's that bit of rough but I was basically <laughs> in, know. you know in this amount of proximity with yeah. him just yeah. doing stuff and um, the lovely Billy Bragg who lovely you Billy were because and we we love Billy Bragg on this show he's been he was so kind to he gave us so much time and chatted away to us and stuff and he's uh he's, he's, he's written a book about Skiffle that was it that was why we had him on he had a book about Skiffle which was great but you kind of knew him when he was in like a pub band. Yes, doing riff-raff. the cir- riffraff doing yeah. the circuit. So how did you how did you meet him? Was it well, just... I met him through this boyfriend right. Max, who he just said, "Oh, you know, let's go and see this band, riffraff, with my mate Billy." So we used to just have a drink with him at the bar, and I thought they were great. Yeah. And they had a really good song called uh, "My Side Was a Write Off." That was my favourite one. But he had the <laughs> cosmonaut, "I Want to Be a Cosmonaut" or whatever yeah. single out, but, which I bought, and we had a had a badge. And then, then they did a gig supporting the Skids and the Stranglers at Peterborough. Mm. So this was before I was a punk. And the Stranglers, and um, a bit, ooh. the Stranglers, uh, that was that your first punk gig? It was really, yeah. And the flobbing was a bit, yeah, wow, <laughs> terrifying. Well, I actually watched the Pill film film today about you know, oh okay, John Lydon because they sent it to me as a screener. And uh, he, there's one where Pill he's having loads of problems with it, so it was a big thing at that time. So I, I thought that was a myth. 
What the about flobbing? The oh. flobbing, but it happened. Yes, it did happen. Dirty buggers. It was unbelievable. I mean, uh, the, he was just going, can you stop? I can't play my guitar because it's just all over the guitar. Uh, well, I, I was like, what the hell's going on here? I just could not believe it. Imagine the amount of TB floating through the air at those. No wonder Pum didn't last. They're all dying <laughs> off. How dare you? It's of still going. Consumption. <laughs> but you, did your dad like the punk? No. Seeing you hated it because no. they weren't playing their instruments properly. That kind of vibe, was it? Yes, he yeah, he was most scathing about them. That's really. funny because I, I, you, you would think, I mean, because I know that the Who. At Townsend in particular, Doug Punk, because he liked that 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 energy. He liked of it. the raw fury. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose you're, was your dad trained or was he self-taught? Well, he was self-taught, but he did teach himself to read music and all the rest right. of it. So he, you know, he completely can arrange and compose and wow. do things that drummers, most drummers can't. Yeah. Or, you know, normal rock drummers, because he was before them. Yeah. You know, like Keith Moon and John Bonham looked up to him. Charlie Watts, who's a great friend of his, who looked, they looked up to him, and he was the one they looked up to. So he was before them. Yeah. So, you know, people get that wrong and go, oh, he said nasty things about them. But as he says in the film, if they were here, ask them. And if you asked them, they would say, you know, like Kit Lambert said when Keith Moon was really ill, he's really bad, can you go and speak to him just before he died? I think he'll listen to you. Wow. But he said, oh, I was doing my own thing, and he didn't go. But, Nettie, you're, you're wrong. People on the internet know more about what happened in the 60s and 70s than you <laughs> yeah. or yes, your I've dad. Noticed. All right? Yes. And they're they... going to explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and they frequently do. <laughs> They're going to tell you exactly what your dad was thinking, even though you could phone him up and ask. Yeah. It's, it's nuts, isn't it? The, they say like, something, and you say something, and somebody said, and so-and-so told me this, and he was in Neesden. I said, in my house. <laughs> he was in my house. We've got. I know, I was there. We've got a phone call. You might want to put your headphones right, okay. on. We've got um, Cleo. Good evening, Cleo. Hello. I'm sorry for the swear word. Uh, outrageously, Vol, we will not have swearing online. Let's keep the internet clean, for goodness sakes. What? I bloody love cream. Oh, we, and, we're talking um, about the band here, or we I know, you're, we know oh, you're a big yeah. lad. I don't know. If... I'm a big, I'm a big fella. Yeah. Uh, but your dad is—he probably is the best drummer ever. Mine, uh, mine. He can't, he can't play drums. <laughs> not come I'm not talking to you. You know I'm not talking to you. <laughs> right, okay, go on then. Uh, just, I think it's like him and Mitch Mitchell from Hendrix. You probably couldn't touch your both sort of. That jazz period who brought it into the mainstream and into the rock and is like this, oh. Is this your way of proposing to Nettie, Cleo? Because <laughs> that's a weird way of going about it, man. From from what I gather, though, I think, like, well, you know, the tradition of going via the father. I don't think it's very, <laughs> very good. I might, get a, I might get a walking stick to the head or something. <laughs> you might get something. Have you got a question? I or you just, you just phoned in to uh, suck up. <laughs> a bit of both. Go um, on. Do you what was the the documentary about your dad? Was that accurate or was it? Um, She's raising her eyebrows. We 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 kind of touched on this briefly. Yes. It's a great film. If no one sees it, beware, Mister Baker. It's, beware, Mister Baker. Yeah. It's it's so well done. Jay did a good job. You're saying he got off lightly in it though. He was well. It was polite version. I right. think they were very. He was very kind. Yeah. Because <laughs> the thing is, I've got a friend who used to run gigs. In the northeast, called Jeff Doherty, and he did. He set up a gig for your dad in Sunderland, a place called the Locarno North. Oh, are you phoning um, him because he owes he owes money or something? <laughs> what is this? Well, it's not that. He said it's it's like he, he managed to get the Who to play there and all these bands who would never ordinarily play Sunderland, and he got the 
uh, aeroplane to play there. Oh, Air Force. The Air Force. Yeah. Air Force. Air Force, that's yeah. what it was. It was yeah, the Air Force, wasn't it? Um, but anyway... Um, well, is, there, is there a point to this call, Cleo? Because I've got, I've got some brilliant questions I want to ask Nettie, because I've read the book. So either, either get to it or naff off. Apparently they got so wasted. Ah, uh, yes. The gig. Half the band didn't turn up. And Ginger's got to do a fight. Yeah, well, that sounds, you know, that sounds more and more like it. If, the other book that I wrote was his autobiography called Hellraiser. <laughs> and you can get that on Amazon. And that will tell you a few things about that band. I'm going to have to get that because I've yeah. not read that. There's, um, uh, all joking aside, your dad was, you know, he was a heroin addict yes. in the 70s. Yep. What was uh, while you were living with him, or was that after you'd moved out? Well, no, I mean, he first took heroin in the summer that I was conceived. Oh, wow. Okay, right. So he was a registered addict from 1960 to 66. Yeah. And then he, oh, I can't remember which way round, but he like had 29 attempts to get off it or mm. something over 17 years or 17 attempts in 29 years. I don't know, one of those two. And he didn't get off it till 1982. Mm. How did he get clean in the end? Well, he went to Italy. Right. And then he was away from it. Yeah. He said he'd managed it before for a long periods, but he said unless you've gone two years, you're not you're not yes, straight. Yes, it's still going on. And then he, uh, after you know, by about ten years ago, then because he got this degenerative joint disease, he was very keen to get back on prescription morphine, which is now he's on, so he's happy. <laughs> and we laugh, you know, because hey, rock stars doing heroin in the seventies, but you were a young woman. Yeah, that must have. That must have been horrendous, seeing your dad passing out in his meal. I mean, it must have been awful. Well, it wasn't horrendous. It's just really irritating. <laughs> Can't get anything done. Well, they just become, you know, complete prats. Yeah. People who are stoned, I've got this thing about it, you know. Mm. I can tell. You know, like when I've been working in shops and they go, oh, someone's on the nick. Yeah. I go, there, it's a junkie. Yeah. It's a junkie. It's like, how do you know? It's like, I can tell them a mile off. They speak a certain way. They act a certain way. You can tell. And I just want to kill him. Uh, do, do you know what? He was I, really irritating. I was. Yeah. I used to use a lot of drugs, and I haven't, I'm, I'm in recovery. And, and you, you can tell when someone's on on something. There's just a, there's a there's a darkness. There's a. Tell if it's coke. You it's, always say you can tell if someone's holding it. Oh, I know if someone's got coke in a room. I can walk into a room and I know if someone's got it. Cause <laughs> I know. You, you, I just, got, my my antenna. I wouldn't know. Your dad I. would know. You, you, this this antenna goes up. You can, there's a vibe. There's a vibe that goes on in the in the room. Um. But yet, here's the here's the, the the great thing: you've never really been into drugs. It, it never re- was it was it your dad's your dad's behaviour scared you off, or what, how 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 do you explain that? Well, I, it, I explain it a lot in the second book because you know the punk thing got we got quite deep into a load of stuff. But it's just because it's too much of a commitment. Being a heroin addict is worse than being married. It's like mm. it's a lifelong mm. commitment, really, unless you're one of the very few people who managed to get off it. Yeah. I, I just can't see what the point of it is. So, And also my dad used to give me very long lectures about it, which I did. I've always been a person who has listened to good advice, not, right. not rubbish advice, but, you know, and that was quite good advice. And I was very wary about drugs. I started taking drugs more when I was in my mid-twenties rather than a young teenager. I mean, we smoked a load of dope. Yeah. But I didn't really do any other drugs till I was old enough to make more informed decisions. Mm. And I've just been lucky, I suppose. Mm. I haven't got an addictive personality. Um, 
I'm I'm worried about this, but we're going to take it. This is Anal Caddick. Good evening. Uh, uh, his Anal's name is Alan. Right. We were doing a show the other night about nicknames, yeah. and he came up with the nickname Anal himself. So it's now what it says on my screen. Good. Uh, I'm I feel terribly embarrassed. I've just realised how stupid our show is. <laughs> now well, we you just realised. Now we have a guest. It turns out I'm, I'm painfully aware that our show is nonsense. Um, anal. Good evening. Evening. Good evening. Hello. I can't... Hello. Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> hello. Anal, you're speaking to Nettie Baker. <laughs> hello. Have you... Hello. Have you been... I don't... You've probably not been listening to the show. Oh, I've only just got up. <laughs> Flipping it. Why? What have you been up to? I don't want to know. Well, let me explain. So, so Nettie is, 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 she's a writer. She's written yeah. several books. Her new book is called Tales of a Rockstar's Daughter. And by coincidence, she happens to be the daughter of the rock drummer Ginger Baker. Now, just bear one second. Who the hell is Ginger Baker? <laughs> is, <laughs> your thoughts exactly. Your thoughts exactly. <laughs> See, I told you. He's, 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 up, he's probably one of the three, four, if you, four most famous rock drummers of all time. And here's something that's really going to float your boat, Alan. She's into horses. Oh, uh, point to point or flat over jumps? <laughs> N- actually, I'm not into horses, but I <laughs> did used to do polo ponies and then dressage. Alan Caddick has a very special talent. Well, hang on, Alan. Who won the Grand National in 1979? That was Whipstick. And, and, and who came third in 1985? That was Mr. There you go, you see. There you go, you see. I've got red rum in in the National for the third time in my book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chest, Tom Boy in second, I capture in third, the the garlic in fourth. We've started it now, and I I can only (laughs) apologise. Well, what would you like to say, Alan? Well, did did you catch Doctor Who on Sunday night? Did we? No, I didn't watch Doctor Who on Sunday night. But thanks for your call. Um, <laughs> I didn't either. I missed it on purpose. Sorry, we should have. I should have explained great. what now the I, show is. I before think you I come can in. cope. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what's going on with boys in this book? <laughs> this is this is why I love this book, right? Because it is. It's about a young girl growing into a young woman looking for love. It's that teenage thing. And Except for it never ends. Well, it never ends. Is it? Does it not? Okay. Well, we'll <laughs> we'll give you Alan's number. You can speak to him. Um, but. I've never seen this perspective because I'm a boy. Are so, you? Yes. <laughs> I got the test result back. I am. Wow! Finally. But, so I. Th- this is like this is like the instruction booklet for me. I, d- I didn't. I don't know how this stuff oh, works. That's what why you all the blokes to. like it so uh-huh. much. I think. I think it is. Well, maybe it'll change the world. <laughs> but you always seem to go for the wrong ones. Yep. Why was what was going on there? I well, I don't know. I be, I presume because. Well, I don't know. I just find people attractive, and I don't really care about their personality. And then people that are nice, I don't find them attractive. You, there is, there's a great bit when there's... there's um, I've got to get this the wrong way round. There's a couple of guys where you're not that interested in them, but then they say they're not interested in you, and suddenly you go, oh! Yeah, challenge. Oh, that happens every time. I'm interested that's, now. That's I, quite common with me. Yeah, It is. I know. And also, who is this? Who is the, Is it the Bell? You give, <laughs> you give a lot of them nicknames oh, because I'm afraid I don't think he's ever going to speak to me again. Well, he comes across as a bell end, if you ask me. <laughs> he treats you appallingly. Yes. 
appallingly. Yeah. My first one did as well, but I don't know why I put up with it, but I think because my dad treated my mother appallingly, and I, I don't know. Well, you were waiting for Mr. Mr. Right, well, no, There's a thing I do where I think I just try and see how horrible people actually are. It's quite interesting how horrible they'll be. Not that I haven't dumped people and done things like that, which I have many times, but I'm always fairly honest about it. I mean, I might say I'm going to marry you and all the rest of it and then say I've changed my mind. But at least I'm honest about it. I don't lead you miles up the garden path or Mm. just talk rubbish. Is it the bell where you have an argument and you kind of say... Look, you've either got to marry me or this is over. Yes. All right, then, let's get married. Is it, was it, I don't think I was actually expecting that answer. It's an amazing... I was talking to my cousin the other day. I was saying, mm, I think, you know, do you know when you do that and then you think they're going to say bye? And yeah. You say, you're kind of hoping they're going to say bye. Well, yeah, can... it sort of went a bit wrong then, I think. And there's also a really sad bit where you're sat in a car, with, I think, with another boyfriend. You go, is it worth carrying on? He goes... Nah. No, he was the one that said to his friend that he asked me out because he felt sorry for me because oh. I was so ugly. Wow. No. <laughs> I know. No. And he's bought the book, by the way. What have the people sorry lot, for you? No, because a lot of them, they don't um, even realise what they've done. Yeah, he must do. But like, has, <laughs> have you got a clue? If I'd done things like that, I'd think, oh, God, what have they said? But they're, they're all like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be in it. What have people said that are in the book? Because uh, you... Cause you well, actually, I think there are some. Um, you do hold, pull some punches a little bit. You were telling us about one story. You said actually, I, 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 I kind of hint at what happens, but there's more to it. Um, but it's it's a really honest book. It really is, and you kind of don't really hide much about the way you're treated by men, and sometimes the way you treat men as well. What do the people in it say about it? Well, quite a few of them are dead. Thank God, it's a relief. So, <laughs> so you can I don't say have what to you worry want. about them. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of them was the bell is fearful. Mm. Uh, Max is the one that contacted me after years and he's fine. He comes out of it fine. So he just said, oh, you told everyone I stole a jacket. And I'm like, I don't think you'll be in trouble for that now. It's okay. (laughs) And uh, uh, the others, I'm like, you know, waiting for them to see. I quite like it, really, because it's like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Yeah. Was it weird growing up? Because you hang out with a lot of mu- musicians, right? You obviously like music. You go and see a lot of bands. Um, was there a lot of them going, oh, she's Ginger Baker's daughter. daughter. Let's, let's see if we can get an invite. But, but, but did you feel that people were interested in you because of your dad? Um, not with my close friends. My close friends are still my close friends. The girls on the back of the book are yeah. still my like mates that I speak to every day, practically. Yeah. So... Not really. I mean, I just had, really, by the time I was in the 70s, I think the teenage world had no idea who he was. Right. And it was just like older people would then say, oh, what music's your dad doing? And I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know because I didn't care. Because you were into David Cassidy, the sweets. Early, and yeah, and then all the glam rock stuff. Yeah. yeah. Was that a rebellion? I don't know. I just... just natural. I just liked it, you know. You're right about Slade. I've said this before. Slade are one of the most underrated bands ever. They're like Led Zeppelin, but in two and a half minute songs. <laughs> I think, I think they're such a good rock band. I was they're brilliant. Catholic, but I just um, uh, phoned up my kids before we did a little video phone call with my kids. And my six year old 
said, what have you done to your hair? He said, I cut it myself. <laughs> he's given himself... Um, <laughs> Dave Hill. Dave Hill. <laughs> <laughs> he totally is. It's like he's, he's done a Dave Hill. <laughs> and he went, oh, that's really uh, cool. <laughs> I, I, I put the phone down to Kath and went, well, that's effed up. <laughs> he, I'll show you a picture. He's done a Dave Hill. It's outrageous. <laughs> uh, we got another 15, 20 minutes with Nettie Baker. It's such a good book. Tales of a rock star's daughter. Some great pictures in it as well. If you want to give us a call, 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. A star-crossed soapbox for sailor boys, stable girls, Ah, and stripper grands. It depends who you're with and it depends on the situation. Late Night Speech Radio with a difference. Thank you. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. And Catherine Boyle and Nettie Baker up until 11 o'clock. 0344 499 1000 if you want to give us a call. Um, at Ginger B Drums, if you want to kind of follow Ginger's official uh, account, which I think is being run by your daughter. It is, yeah. Tonight. Um, I, th- she, I think she's sober. It seems to be some good messages. She, you were saying that she's, she's, is she working for a charity or she, she works got a charity? For, yeah, no, she's the uh, marketing campaign manager for Leonard Cheshire Disability. Ah, uh, My mum's in a Leonard Cheshire home. Well, there you there are. There we go. Oh, there we fantastic. go. Fantastic. And she wanted everyone to know that they've got two carol concerts on... <laughs> One in Northwich and one in London on the 18th of December. Tickets are available now. Hey, fantastic. They're good, Lena Cheshire. No, my, my, they look after my mum. Yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, she's really enjoying working there. How long has well. she been doing that for? She's, well, she's been in the charity sector since she was 19. Yeah. And she was at Real and she was at uh, National Deaf Children's Society or whatever it is, and now she's at Leonard Cheshire. Oh, good for her. So she really enjoys it. And it's because she can also look how she wants to look in that sector. And she wanted to prove to everyone that you can look wild and still do a really good job. I like the bit because a lot of your your younger years is spent around horses and working in stables. (laughs) And then you discover punk and the the image changes the shaved side of the head <laughs> yep. and the the dyeing of the hair and the um all the you know the outrageous outrageous in inverted commas clothes and you 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 go to a polo match or you go you go to a stables and they go nah not like looking like that you can't and you realized how far you'd kind of come since working yeah well in the i mean yes they were a bit horrified but uh, there's a bit of that where i'm in i'm in this cult underground film called she's a punk rocker uk okay which is done by these guys that we work with called sid and zilla who are in a band punk band that's still going called yeah. rubella ballet and there's a bit in that where i'm interviewed in that where i say the woman like oh my gosh wash that out of your hair <laughs> and i was like why don't i just got stuck into it because my dad lost all his money and then buggered off yeah. left went to you know off to italy and i couldn't do anything else yeah. i tried to get a job but <laughs> nobody wanted time with i couldn't do anything you made, you laugh, you said it earlier that when you were younger you wanted to be an actress and you kind of laughed at that yeah. Is that not is that not something you'd still want to do? Is that little flame still burning somewhere? I don't know. I was always told that I was really good. I passed an exam, a senior exam when I was 10. Yeah. I used to have acting lessons. And one of my friends who's in the early part of the book, Louise English, she's still acting. And yeah. She's in an advert at the moment. I was like, oh, there's Lou. Um, but her mum was has just passed away but she was always very good about and used to say you're really good you're really really good one of the few people when i was young that ever said anything nice to me right wow and you know gave me some so i don't know i mean i don't know whether i'd want to do it now or not i don't know i wouldn't be able to be in anything because i just look a certain way you know you have to i think you have to be someone who can be made up to be whatever to be yeah or sometimes they go for people who look certain (laughs) an old slapper (laughs) (laughs) 
le mutton no. dressed as le lamb oh, or something. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. You look stunning. I Thank think you, you look stunning. <laughs> he hasn't got his glasses on. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> no, but because I deliberately hadn't Googled any recent images oh, of really? you. Because I thought, oh, well, let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's see. Just Google she's a punk rocker. Some looks in that, isn't there? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it was great. Great but, film, actually. I want to have to check it. this out. Yeah. Has your dad read the book, heard, heard any bits of the book? Have you spoken to him about it? No, I mean, he's not well at the moment. No. So I think his main interests are doctor's appointments, right. really, when you get to that age. How, I mean, how he old always, is he now? He's 79. Wow. He always knew I was, I was doing it. And yeah. when we were doing his, and I'd say, what about this, what about that? For instance, the jokes about the holidays and mm. stuff that I put in, he's like, I'll put it in your book. He used to say that all the time. So, I mean, he knew, he was well aware that I was doing it, so... When was um, when was the Cream reunion? 2005. Shut up, was oh, it that no. long ago? <laughs> I was thinking, like, four or five years ago. No, it was a long time ago. Flipping heck! Did he do all right out of that? I'd like to think that he... Well, y- yes, but and it's gone. Then he blew it all again. I mean, I think Eric wanted to do it to help, because Jack had just had the liver transplant, right, yeah. and... I think Eric's idea was, apart from that he wanted to do the music again, was to help them. Mm. But unfortunately, Eric is Eric Clapton. Kind of, and he, you know, he had his own issues in the seventies. He was he was doing heroin, then knocked that on the head, and then was boozing a lot. But um, you kind of hint a couple of times that he was keeping an eye out for you and for your dad, and that um, he paid a bill or he he did he was paying yeah, the rent or something, wasn't he? Throughout. Always, I think he's always been very supportive. Yeah, I mean, he's not like, oh, hello, would you like to come to my house and stuff like that. I mean, that, I mean, yes, we did socialise about with him a lot at one time, but like now he's got his own family life, everything, you know, you know, moves in exalted circles compared to me. But, yeah. but very supportive always. If you need anything or any help or whatever, whatever. He's definitely in the background offering support. I thought that was lovely in the book when, because I don't really know a lot about Eric Clapton, but I just thought that was so lovely that even and it, it, the seventies were a mess for Clapton, you know. But um, he still had his eye out for yeah. for friends and family. Well, yeah, he was. You know, I think he said to my dad, "I think perhaps you ought to go to work," but he still helped out. You know. Have you got Clapton's phone number in your phone? No, no, I haven't. I did used to have... We used to have George Harrison's phone number. Oh. I've got the old phone book with, like, Steve Winwood's phone number, Eric's phone really? number. Have you really? Yeah. Oh, I, what a joy to flick I through to think, that. Ooh. I was... mean, I do know some secret email addresses and things, but I don't even use them myself, so, listen, you know. I'm Listen, when we're going to leave the room with a bit of paper and a pen, you write down some rock stars' emails... <laughs> We won't, we won't see how him. much. How much will you pay me? <laughs> we can go as high as twenty-five pence, I think, Betty. <laughs> um, and it is what, what's lovely is you do talk about people like George Harrison popping round. Of course, it was that weird time when Patty Boyd had left George and was with Eric, yeah. and, and they were all round. You take those off. Take them off. You don't need. There's those. no one on there. No, there's no one on there. Um, and 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 th- they were all kind of round the house. And the seventies for a lot of the sixties rockers seems like such a messy incestuous period, you know, with wives going over to other people. Yeah. And... Although when we spoke to Patty Boyd, yeah. she was very matter-of-fact about it, wasn't she? Very matter-of-fact about it, very well-spoken, and, um, well, this happened, and then I didn't love George, and Eric <laughs> asked me out, and so I decided to go you and You should have Charlotte. Have you have, you, Charlotte's great, the one that was with Eric first, the French lady, no. and then she was with Jimmy Page, Ooh. who she's got a daughter by who's great she and and jimmy pages she does she photographer makes jewelry great oh, wow. girl 
so I'm quite friendly with them. But Charlotte's quite an entertaining lady. Oh, we'll have a, we'll, have, we'll, yeah. s- we'll reach out to Charlotte, <laughs> as they say. But growing up as a kid and George Harris, I mean, w- were you aware of the Beatles? I'm aware of the Beatles because you kind of just missed the Beatles. Well. When I was smaller, because I think my dad was hanging out with them a lot more than he even mentions. Right. And then I remember that I'd said something. My mum had thrown away some dressing up stuff and and I'd said this, like a poem, written a poem or something about you throw away the things, the things I've always wanted. I can see them in the teardrops of my mind or some absolute <laughs> rubbish like that. And my dad thought it was great, wrote it down. And, oh, it's marvellous, you know, the brilliant child. And showed it to George Harrison. He was like, oh, yeah, we should make a song out of it. But they didn't. Oh, that would have been your I, mention. I could have been, hey, Jude, couldn't I? But it, never mind. You know what it was? It was too good. It was too good. <laughs> So, yeah, they were hanging out quite a lot. And as I say, we went, I went to the premiere of Yellow Submarine and met them all wow. at, at that very early stage. And then, obviously, again in the 70s a bit. So um, so there's volume. So this stops 1984 going into 1985. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, 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 the end of this is New Year's Eve. Dennis never even tried to have a decent... I don't like Dennis. <laughs> My mother didn't He's like a, him he either. Was, he was a boozer and he treated you like <laughs> shit. But Dennis never even tried to have a decent conversation with me. Perhaps he didn't think girls were capable of it. Never mind. As the bells rang and Father Time handed us the wonderful 1985, I believed he was mine, and there could have been no better feeling, however fleeting it may have been, to be continued. Oh. <laughs> what an end! I've got to thought, oh, you cow! How dare you! That's what Chris Welsh said. I want to know what happens next. How dare you? But, um, I mean, Dennis was, Dennis was, was Yeah, horrible. but I bet he was a looker. Was he? He was, yeah. yeah. Well, I, no, my daughter said, oh, my God, she saw a picture of him. Went, what, what's going on? And I was like, yeah, well, to me. At you the know, time, was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are, you, um, are you happy now? You, you seem happy. Are you happy? Are you... I'm happy now because I've finally, for the first time ever, I've got control of my life and I've got my own identity and I haven't got, there are no Prince Charming's frogs or whoever's in my life and I really like it. Wow. It's the first time I've been like single and been able to and liking it, yeah, and really just completely happy. So uh, I would say, yeah, mainly it's it's good. Yeah. Apart from you know, it's just like the passing of time. It's a bit boring being old. Tell me about it. I mean, I would rather be at parties getting off with young men. If, <laughs> if you'd say, what would I rather be doing? I would rather be doing that. But you know, hey, I'm here, and at the moment, you know, this is. Good, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's quite good. It started off really certain I'm happy, and now it's like yeah, oh, no. Then I was thinking I'm, I'm always moaning about being old. And it's like, I'm bored. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's good, fine. I suppose. Yeah. Or oh, parties, though. <laughs> Young men. Yeah, well, this might people might have parties now because I've done this, and but they have to be during the day. Well, you, 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 <laughs> Don't you, lay nights, please. You very kindly invited me and Kath to yes, a yes. night of debauchery. Yeah. It sounds it like won't be. oh, well, in that case, I can't do debauchery. But you, is that the official? Book launch? The book's out now, isn't it? It's out, but then everyone was like, oh, you're going to have a book launch. And I was like, well, you know, that costs money. And, you know, it's like, you know, whatever you pay out is what you've earned. Mm. And it's not, you know, you don't earn millions and trillions of pounds unless you all out there go and buy 25 books each. But you So know, what you're saying is there is a kitty and we have to put into no, it. No, no, I mean, I'm, I did a deal with the Ealing Club because I helped them. They've got a film out called Suburban Steps to Rockland and it's all about the Ealing Club, which are the stones and cream and everyone yeah. started off in. And so I got them an interview with my dad. And I, you know, see them every six months, we all go and have coffee. And yeah. I thought, oh, I bet they'd do it. And yeah. they said, yeah, if you come in with us, we can talk about our film a bit. And you can have it in there. And also it ties in because your dad 
used to play here. Yeah, yeah. So it's all part of their thing. And there's a band, a friend of mine's got a really good band and they're going to play a little acoustic set. So can, can, can the, the plebs come or is it just stars? Like yeah, I know. I mean, I did. It is for the, but it, because they've got a limited number, I didn't right. realise it was, it was like full up oh, within gone. two oh, seconds. Oh, I bet. So, I bet. Obviously, I want you know closer friends and people that are special get special are get will get on the list. Is that and us? so yeah, that can be you. That's yes, us, Catherine. We're but going. What we're going to do? It's on the on our fan page on Facebook. Yeah. So I will, if there is any space, we'll reopen it. All right, cool. So well, it's on there, but it's full up at the moment. Um, Sorry. And uh, uh, so where does volume two, which is going to come out at some point, uh, where does that end? Where does that? Uh, I don't. I just. I just want to know whether it, it ends the story or whether there's another to be continued. Oh, no, I, I decided, always knew, it ends in 1987 and yeah. I knew where it was going to end. So it is another happy ending. Okay. And then uh, what, what's next for you then? After the, Have you planned ahead? Or well, is yeah, I know what break? I want to do because it's something I've been wanting to do for about 20 years, which is my master's was, I did a, a dissertation of my master's on Thomas Chatterton, who was one of the 18th century poets who was like their James Dean, who was an influence on, uh, you know, all the romantic poets. And they all wrote poems about him he he came to london at the age of you know 17 he came into london in the april and he'd have dead by august wow but it was a very prolific wow. so it's going to be chatterton's last summer in 18th century london and it's going to be thousand miles an hour wow. sleaze i hope that sort of thing almost like a screenplay yeah i've wanted to do that for a long time so God, that's i wasn't expecting that as an answer flipping heck um and where does Dad live now? Is he is he in England? Yes, he's somewhere outside Canterbury. Okay, all right. Well, you know, send him our best. I hope, I hope you know things. <laughs> hope his health gets better. <laughs> Thank I, I you. don't quite know the situation, so I don't want to say anything that may or may not be appropriate. Um, I loved your book, Nettie. Thank I, I, you. Honestly, I really, I, I really, um, really enjoyed it. I think it's funny. I think it's. Um, it's like I say, I love the fact it's it's about you and your dad is, is like this. It's like um, Rosencrantz and Gildenstern. He just kind of pops in, says a few lines and then disappears. <laughs> and then yeah. it's back to you. What was it? Um, oh, God, the most miserable scene in it. Um, when you get dumped by someone and you're um, sitting in the dark listening to Face Value by Phil <laughs> no, Collins. I bet everyone would go, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Things must be bad. I couldn't think of a more miserable... <laughs> I thought, oh my god, it sounds really sad. And then Phil Collins is in it just to put the cherry on top. Um, it's, it's, a <laughs> like read. it's a cracking read. I'm going to tweet the links again, but you can get it on Amazon. We we're big fans of Big Green Bookshop as well on here, and I'm sure that they'll they'll have it in the Big Green Bookshop. Just Google Nettie uh, Nettie Baker, Tales of a Rock Star's Daughter. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. What very a pleasure much. to meet you. Thank you. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, normal service resumes. This is The Late Night Alternative, weeknights from 10 with Ian Lee and Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Running to me, a crying. When it throws you 
picture has a mustache. Here we go. Let's just play cream all night. Yeah. Man alive. Wasn't she delightful? Wasn't she lovely, Kath? Yeah. Glad you stayed in now? For sure. going, oh, I've not read the book. I don't think I... I won't come in for the first time. No, 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 no. Listen, I didn't want to interfere. No. If it was like one of those books where it's all... No, it's not. It's not. That's the joy. It's about a kid growing, a girl growing up. Isn't she lovely? Yeah, yeah. She's just as just as she comes across that. that how she was there is how she is in the book. What a lovely, lovely woman. I'm so glad we've met her. We'll get her back in again at some point. We'll find volume two. We'll find an excuse told to get her. her in. I've told her she's back in. She, was she likes great. it or not. I hope she enjoyed it. I hope she, she did. It. Big smile on her face Good. as she left. Oh three. Four, there you go. You can borrow that now. That's, Thank uh, you. Chuck me pen over. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. Always difficult to start the show's engine after we've had a guest in terms of getting phone calls, but it don't matter. Don't care if you want to give us a call about absolutely anything you want. You would be very very welcome to. Um, uh, including graphology. Now graphology. Yeah. We watched a very strange. Um, you know the film... Are you aware of the film Freaks? It's about... I'm going to say it's like 1937. It was 1942 or something like that. And it's an American film. And it got banned for years. Um, and it's called Freaks. And it's about people that work in a freak show. So it's what we would call in the old days midgets and bearded ladies and lobster boys. You know, that kind of... Mm-hmm. They're all real people with things. And it was... And Mexican wolf children. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, that kind of thing. And they're all, they're all real people. Now, obviously, we see these people as having perhaps physical disabilities or, you, you know, we would have better language. In those days, it was called Freaks. Yeah. It was called Freaks. And it was a big hit movie, you know. And it was... I guess it was, it was the cinematic equivalent of the freak shows that used to get in the Victorian days. Uh, and then the movie got banned. And kind of disappeared. And then sort of in the late 80s, VHSs of it, it's like, oh, you've seen Freaks. Bootleg VHSs of it would get passed around. And we, we, we laugh at 
for a while we laughed at the freaks again, and then we laughed at how we treated people who are different to us, which is, is wildly inappropriate. Now, well, tonight Catherine and I watched a documentary from 22 years ago. Um, but it seemed like longer. It seemed like longer, which even at the time I, I did a bit of reading, courted controversy for its treatment of people, of portrayal of people who are obviously very seriously mentally ill. And it was kind of like a 90s equivalent of freaks in the... Um, the, the whole vibe, basically it's about stalkers, but it was done with a little bit of pseudoscience and a healthy dose of, look at these crazy guys who are obsessed with Mike Reed, Cliff Richard and Lady Di. A year before Lady Di died. Lady Di died. Yeah, and he was trying to warn her that there were shenanigans, the, but, wasn't he? Well, he? No, he was trying to warn her that the, um, hang on a second. Yes, line one. Uh, um, hello. Um, question. Uh, who was the lady you had on the programme earlier? Answer. Nettie Baker, um, writer, mother, and also, and I only say this because it's relevant to the book, the daughter of uh, famous rock drummer Ginger Baker. Right here. Ah, oh, Ginger Baker. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks very much for your call. Um, Prince Charles, though. <laughs> I don't meet these... Who the hell is Ginger Baker? You can pack that in as soon as you like. It's, um, maybe he's remembered meeting her at a polo event. Um, <laughs> so it, it is, well, no, he thought that the Queen was the beast. Yes, like the actual beast from, from had, the Bible, from the end. He had scientific evidence to prove that. He'd, he'd, he'd worked on it while he was in prison um, for, he was a German doctor, prison for giving drugs to his mates and injecting himself in the um, uh, heel with anaesthetic to help him sleep. With anaesthetic. Yeah. Um, and nowadays it would be treated, the, the stalking aspect, because st- there wasn't a specific stalking crime in those days. No, one of the people who had been a victim of stalking, a survivor of stalking, said that the thing she that... She was a TV presenter. The, the thing that her stalker had been done for your lovely tight bum was misuse of the telephone system yeah, making phone 400 pound fine yeah that was it nuts and um now of course that would be treated a lot more seriously in terms of the 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 criminal sentence and also in terms of the um the tone with which the stalkers would be presented um, it's a really interesting documentary. It's it's really dated. It's 1996. Dated very badly. Uh, if you type in, what's that lady's name? Lilac Blue Rose. Tulip. Blue Tulip Rose. Tulip Blue Rose. If you type her name in and stalker, this documentary comes up. Thanks to whoever it was that pointed me in the direction of it. Um, and it, it is it is looking at it now, it's like watching a copy of Freaks from 1980s. You go, wow. This is being handled really insensitively. I think it was quite controversial even at the time, and I think the Channel 4 only showed it once, and they got there was a big backlash about the way they were dealing with, mm-hmm. with mental illness. And um, they never showed it again. But I was trying to think, I was 23, I'd left college. I, I wasn't really watching TV then. I was playing a lot of PlayStation and smoking a lot of weed. So I missed it first time around. Um, but it was interesting. The first couple were a woman and her mum... I don't know if they were stalkers. They were Cliff Richard obsessives. They were obviously... They were, yeah, you could say they're obsessive. There was a gap in their life that was filled by Cliff. They did believe that under other circumstances the daughter would be married to yes. Cliff. Yep, yep. Uh, that there was some sort of, you know, that they just needed to bring them together at the right time and it was all going to work out. There was that going on. And it was the mother encouraging it just as much as the daughter wanting yep. it, wasn't it? 
Um, so there was that. Who was the the second one? Was the Mike Reed one, which was funny because it was for the DJ Mike Reed. Yeah, but, she, but it was really the thing was her frust. You know, it was very sexual. Oh, there's, there's, I mean, she's a she's a, a, a large lady, and there's one scene of her sat at a computer or probably a typewriter, um, completely starkers. Mm-hmm. Composing. Well, then there was a bit in the bed listening to the radio, and she had to turn it off because she couldn't take it. Anymore. Oh, she was coming. Yeah, yeah, she was. Yeah, I, sorry, Sam, I caught you. I caught you on a um, she was she was it, orgasming. Yeah, it was very sexual, and she believed that they were married, and was getting very upset when you know people tried to spoil oh, well, that. Well, let me play spoil the, that moment. Uh, for what her. was her name? Tulip, blue, blue tulip rose. Is that it? Tulip rose. Um, I, I play a yeah. clip from it. Yeah, blue tulip rose. Um, okay, this, this is a, so she goes into a t-shirt shop. This is um, balcony shirts in the nineties. She goes into a t-shirt shop, t-shirt shop to get, and it's Mike Reed the DJ, not the comedian, um, to get a t-shirt made up. Um, and and this is the exchange. Hello. Hi there. How are you? Oh, fine, thanks. What can we do for you? Today? Um, I like a nice uh, t-shirt printed, please. And I'd like that on it. And who's that? That is my husband, Mike Reed. Your husband? Yes, it is. Can I take your name? Um, Mrs. Mike Reed. Bob's. And what text would you like? Um, when can I get in bed with you? <laughs> when can I get in bed with you? Yeah. So even though you've married him, you're not set with him yet, no? No, not yet. Okay, I'll just get one of the boys to run that off on the printer. <laughs> oh, lovely. <coughs> oh, and can I have it done in blue, please? Nice and bold. I thought he was gay. Hey. Hey. Now you can pack that in as soon as you like. I should think so too. Nobody calls him gay. Nobody. Ever. I'm sorry, that hurt. No, that hurt. Um, and that's the, the vibe of, of the show. And then the next one is the German doctor, who um, is probably, was possibly a morphine addict, um, got struck off, got sent to prison, and while he was in prison, fell in love with Princess Diana and worked out that the Queen was the beast, the actual beast. Uh, and he comes out and he tries to... And he, 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 he posts things on uh, Princess Diana's car. He's got a, fi- he's got a file of, of paperwork, hasn't he, that he's desperate to get to. Uh, and he po- the thing he posts on her, on her car, which is, you know, now, now we know how she died, that's kind of macabre, is um, if you want to escape your certain death, then contact me. And But but then then he's, he's, he's married, and he still lives with his missus, and they've got kids. That's what I don't understand. Um, and I guess it shows... How differently we treated things like that back then? I mean, he's obviously... You watch it now with, with 2018 eyes, and you go, well, the guy's obviously... He died in 2007. He's obviously um, Dr... Was it Kurt Wagner? Wagner? Klaus, wasn't it? Klaus. Klaus Wagner. Um, you look at it now, you go, well, he's obviously severely mentally ill. OK, thinking the Queen's the beast. I don't know if that necessarily qualifies as a mental illness. A lot of people do. Um, David Icke we've had on the show and he's a very rational guy. You know, I thought uh, when we were talking about his life, I, I think he thinks that the Queen is... is but he was reading Revelations and seeing himself in there and saying, I'm oh, the was, one who's going to save her. And... He was the knight uh, with a cloak d- dripped in blood because yeah. he'd been a surgeon. 
Um, yeah, and it's it's those things. It's the obsession. Um, what I was going to say, it's the reading things into the Bible. But, 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 loads of people read things into the Bible, and and some of them are considered nuts. Some of them find the show, and some of them, well, some of them are archbishops. I was going to say some of them make a living out of it. Yeah. Isn't that funny? So what is the line with the Bible? Is it is it if someone goes off on their own theory of the Bible that they then become, in inverted commas, a nutter? You know, that they're not following the the mass Doctrines. interpretation of the Bible. But then in America, there's loads of... There's, there's thousands, probably tens of thousands of little breakaway churches. That reminds me. I picked up um, a leaflet today in a cafe near where I live. Yeah. And I don't live that far away from Bedford. Okay. And in Bedford, there was this society from, I think, the turn of the last century called the Panacea Society. Have you heard about them? I think we tried to get them on the Three County Go show on. once. And there were a few left. And... They believed, they they were one of these groups, as I say, I think at the turn of the last century where they had a female prophetess and right. they believed that Jesus was coming back, yeah. literally coming back and they prepared a house for him. Yeah. And there was a room with a crib in it for when he was a baby and everything. It was like they'd set it out. And it looks like they've opened up that, um, they they were quite wealthy. They, yeah. they, they owned a couple of streets. Um, it looks like they've opened up some of those buildings as a museum, which makes me wonder whether the society, because the society was still active until pretty recently. Oh, you should go and have a look around. To, well, you can go, you can book a tour. I was go and say, have a we look sh- around. We should both go. Well, you should go. You should go. Go and take your tape recorder and go and record a little tour. Well, it'd be great. Go and do it. Go and go and do that for the show. Get in touch and see if you can go and do it. That'd be brilliant. Mm. I want I, you to see it though. Well, I, I would like to see it, but I'd like to hear your okay your interpretation of it. Really? But then. I mean, building a house is quite a specific thing, but it's not that unusual. Lots of Christians believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back. And and when Jesus Christ comes back, he's either going to be loving and we're all going to be great, or or a lot of Christians think he's going to come back and it's going to be a vengeful... Well, there'll be a reckoning. Yeah, and that the sinners are going to get their asses kicked. Do, um... Do other faiths think that... I mean, is, is Allah coming back? Is Muhammad coming back? Are they coming back? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But then again, I don't quite know. Muhammad was a prophet, wasn't he? Well, but but Jesus was a prophet because... Well, see the other books he is. No, but Jesus isn't... Well, uh, because isn't Allah... Excuse me if I... I Actually, don't excuse me. I'm working this stuff out. I'm not going to apologise for this. Isn't Allah God? Mm -hmm. So is Muhammad... I know Jesus is in the Quran, but is... Is Muhammad, Jesus is the, the the head, the figurehead of the Christian church. Muhammad is the figurehead of the Muslim faith. But he's known as a prophet. He's not seen as the um, right. the Messiah. So he won't be coming back anytime soon. I'm not the person to ask, but I don't think so. I don't think it works like that. I thought you, I thought you were Muslim. No, I've I've totally misjudged this relationship. I yeah. apologise. If anyone knows, I, I find it fascinating. I also find it funny. I find these stories funny because. To me, they're all a nonsense. You never say that about Islam. Well, I'm saying it about Islam. I'm saying about all of them. But they're, they're the way humans have tried to make sense of what existence is for centuries. Yeah. People is nuts. You know I don't like people. I've gone right off people. I hate them. Um, anyway, it's been one of those shows tonight. If you want to give us a call, we're talking about religion. We're talking about anything you want. I've got a graphology. Oh, graphology. That's, that's where we were going. That's where we started. We'll talk about that in a minute. Oh three. Four four 
499-1000. It costs you pennies, probably free. You'll speak to Sam. He'll give you a call straight back. Uh, this is The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee and Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. Closing time conversation for tax inspectors, taxi drivers and taxidermists. Great big talk for the wee small hours. You've been trolling me big time, mate. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. 03444991000 is the telephone number. Tommy is on the line. Good evening, Tommy. Good evening, guys. Good evening, Tommy. What have you got for us on this? Hang on, what day is it tonight? Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday evening, Tom, Tom. Yeah, I'll say what kind of day it was as well. Yeah, I know. I, I, I never know what day it is. I do know that tomorrow is um, my youngest's harvest festival, and he's given himself a haircut to look like <laughs> Dave Hill from Slade. <laughs> that sounds like a good haircut. It does. I mean, the fact that he did it himself with, and, and without his mum there. Also, he's totally defiant about it. As far as he's concerned, it's a great haircut. He's wearing it. Deal with it. Oh, well, this is the thing. He loves it. And I, my, yeah. I, my, I, he phoned me up and showed me, and I went, that's great. And then I texted my wife going, what the F? And she replied, he's very proud of it. Okay. <laughs> in that case, he's made a statement. Yeah, you never know. He might start a trend. You know, exactly. like he those. might start a trend. You're yeah. absolutely right. What have you got for us, Tommy? Uh, just, I've been, try- I've been wanting to phone you for months and uh, about different things. But tonight, you were talking about Freaks. Yes, the movie. The, the, yeah, Freaks the movie. So, but then I remember that you know, it was about a month ago. We were talking about uh, you were talking about to the people who burnt church. Oh yeah, the Burn Church um, Cinema Club. In yeah, fact, yes, they've been in touch with me about a little little tie-up we might do. But yeah, go it, on. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of uh, inspired you to set up your own movie thing. We're talking about it for ages, but we are doing the Rabbit Hole Picture Show yeah. Saturday, October the twenty seventh. There are only twenty tickets left. They're eight quid. Come and see Fright Night with me and Kath. There'll be prizes. There'll be shouting. There's <laughs> there's a bar there. You can get booze. And there'll be fangs. And there will be what? Mm-hmm. Was you bringing your dog with you? Um, Thanks for the memory. Yay! <laughs> if you want tickets, yeah. ianlee.com slash event. There's only 20 left, so get them quick, guys. Anyway, yes, yeah, so, that's I mean, the advert done. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, I mean, you're talking about coming to Glasgow, so... Maybe doing it. So there's... Uh, there's a, we were in Glasgow... We were in Glasgow the other yeah. day. When? About three weeks ago, you muppet. That was a long time ago. But you saw... <laughs> no, I like Tommy. <laughs> No, so there's this fantastic theatre in Glasgow. It's the oldest theatre in the world, called the uh, uh, Britannia Optican. Okay, that's Sorry. a great name. Okay, so right, so first thing of all, when you were talking about doing the doing the movies, I thought that'd be a great place for you guys to play. Okay. You know, that'd be a fantastic place. But also, yeah. when you mention Freaks, they're doing the they're, they're showing the film Freaks this Friday at Burnt Church. Yep. No. At the Britannia Optican. Oh, are it's they really? Uh, here's yeah. the thing: I've never actually seen it. I've seen bits. I've seen like you know little clips of it, but I've never actually um, seen it. And I don't know if yeah, I want to see it. Does uh, I thought that I was? I'm the same. I'm thinking it looks a bit odd to me. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to see it, Catherine. The thing is, I think it ties in with. I, I've got. I found a. This is the Britannia Panopticon. Flipping it. That, yes, place looks, yeah. that place looks great. It's the world's oldest surviving music hall. So it kind of ties in yeah. with the vibe there, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. So last year they were doing, uh, every every week of October, they were doing horror movies. Yeah. And, like, the first week they did uh, The Omen. Okay. Ooh. 
Great film. Fantastic. Patrick, Patrick really Troughton's greatest performance in The Omen. Or is it in The Omen oh, sorry, Mason. I think he's The yeah, Omen. And he was brown. He yeah. was... Uh, but the whole film... So, there's, but, so my claim to fame was in the clip where the woman falls from the from the fourth floor of the hospital. Yeah. And she falls through the roof of the ambulance and then she comes out the back door. Yeah. And she's like, on this trolley battle. So I went, da-da! Fantastic. Hang on, say that again. What? That, what? Hang on a minute. What, did I miss something there, Catherine? A little. Yeah, the song. Was there a little joke there? That was the, that, that was the moment he went da da when she came back through. the... Okay, window. right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you absolute pudding. Um, thank you. That, no, thank you. Where, how long have you been listening to this show for, Tommy? Uh, for about a year now. Okay. How could you have missed the? We banged on about coming to Glasgow so much. Right. So we were at the Stand Comedy Club in Glasgow about mm-hmm. three weeks ago. Where the hell were you, man? Oh, I was uh, hiding. It's like, you know, I've got a cold and I'm drunk, you know, okay. so... Well, we don't want cold drunks. Probably, it's probably why you can't understand me. OK. Uh, right, so very quickly, I've got three facts about Chaz and Dave. OK, yes. OK, because you did a fantastic tribute to Chaz. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago. OK. Uh, you know, Chaz played uh, Chaz and Dave played a heavy metal festival a couple of years ago. I believe that to be true, yes. And they were fantastic. Yeah. Um, they played the intro to... Um, the first um, Eminem song. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now, is it, this third factor better be something that I don't know. Otherwise, oh, I'm yeah, gonna, then... after the show tonight, I'm going to drive to Glasgow. I'm going to kick your ass. Okay, okay, okay. So apparently, when in their early days, they toured, they toured the UK, and they didn't have much money, and it was a, a specific way they got about. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, you know, to get you know to fund the thing. Yeah. Not to, uh, did, they did it by bumming. Okay, thanks very much for your call, Tom. <laughs> yes. oh, wow. I think that might be actually uh, defamation. That uh, is uh, stressing stress, things, isn't it? Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. How about we got Beverly Craven on the show later yeah. tonight after midnight? Talking about Beverly, this is this is how this this show can work sometimes. Talking about Beverly Craven Friday, Friday, Friday I think we were. Tuesday night, she's on. Cass sorted out. She's on the show. We pre-recorded it. What a lovely lady, isn't she lovely? And I had such a crush on her. You know, I guess in nineteen ninety-two, so such a crush on her. And um, that was reignited. To wasn't she charming and and funny and lovely? Um, she's doing a tour. Most of it's sold out. She says. Well, she said, "Well, I, I plugged the tour, but the first leg is sold out." So you know. Um, but she was so charming. So we'll play that later on. And um, it's one of those interviews. I had the same thing with Nettie actually. Where afterwards, I'm just kind of, I'm feeling all light and fluffy and buzzing because because we've connected with a really nice, lovely person. That's it. And here's the thing: they both want to see us again. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to go and see like the sort of tour rehearsal show, the yeah. kind of dress rehearsal, I guess, for friends and family. She's invited us to that. It's her, Judy Zook, and uh, Julia Fordham, like in a like in a soft rock supergroup, um, and and they're touring together. Despite the fact that uh, um, Beverly mentioned the cancer in the interview, we, we weren't going to talk about it, but she brought it up. I had a mastectomy, double two, mastectomy, yeah, two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Two weeks ago. And she sounded great. She said, well, it's very itchy. Um, but she sounded great. And then, unfortunately, the cancer's come back. So she's going to go in for, was it chemo? I think it was chemo, mm-hmm. not radio, chemo, um, in the break of the tour. Um, but I, what, I tell you what's lovely is um, she said, well, 
Julia Fordham's living with me at the moment and looking after me. And, and they'd only met for this tour. I said, oh, were you friends back in the 90s? Oh, no, we only just met recently. And Julia Fordham's taken her under her wing. And she's been nursing her by yeah, the sounds of things. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. And we're just sitting cats out there going, oh, that's so nice. Oh, I, it's a really lovely, lovely interview, and I think you're really going to enjoy it, actually. Uh, it's charming, and, and the tour looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so that's coming up later on. In the meantime, so, ah, Yes, so graphology. So this stalking documentary, they have a graphologist. Now, I always get graphology and phrenology confused. Now, phrenology is the one that's definitely bullshine. Mm-hmm. That's it was... feeling the bumps on your head. When was that a science? 40s, 50s? Maybe a bit earlier. A bit earlier, I think. Maybe, because you always see, if you go to an antique shop, and they're beautiful, and my dad always wanted one. And I kind of want one, but actually I don't, because I don't know. I only want one because my dad wanted one. It's a good place to keep your hat. You'll see a phrenologist's head, which is like a white porcelain head with a neck and it's got different zones marked out over the head where you could supposedly read the bumps and this was like your emotion and this was your sadness and this was your um your your laughter and this was you read different things yeah it's a victorian thing complete bullshit right complete and utter bullshit but fun but then there's another one that has persisted until fairly recently oh i'm pretty sure that one of our um, one of our colleagues had a graphologist on their show pretty recently. Matthew Wright? James. James Well, because... Well, here's the thing. If you... If you, if you um, uh, 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 um, I wish I've got to sort these bloody bu- buttons out. If you um, get a graphologist... So basically, a graphologist looks at handwriting um, and tells you about the, the personality traits. And here's the thing. We actually got a graphologist earlier on and we gave him a sample of my handwriting. And this, have a listen to this. This is interesting. This is what he came up with. So scientifically very accurate. That's not the one I thought you were going to play. Which one did you think I was going to play? You're a pervert. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where they are. What are you beefing on about? You can pack that in as soon as you like. So I've got, I've got to sort these out. Thursday. Thursday I'm sorting these out. Um, uh, if you're going to talk about religion, I tweeted to Ian about Psalm 82, which says there are many gods which a lot of Christians don't seem to know. Okay, right. Thank you, um, Steve. I appreciate that. I don't quite know. Okay. Um, so graphology <coughs> is where the, the study of the handwriting. And I said to Kath, is this, is, 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 is this been debunked yet? But I don't think it has been debunked. I think it's still seen as... Um, you, well, hang on, listen. Don't raise your eyes at me and no, put faces. I, I and don't suck, th- suck on your cheeks like you're you're sucking a sour. No, sweet. that was that was a face that said, "Yes, go on, say it." No, you say it. Because I don't know what you want me to say. I'm a free spirit. Will I you say carry what. on saying what you're going to say? I don't know if it's crap or not. I do. Why? How do you know? Because it's got to be crap. Why? Apart from, all right, we can always. Uh, you can tell. I, I think you can tell from the style of writing. When that person learned to write, like old older people have a certain style of writing, don't they? Okay. And then our generation write differently. Yes. I think so. I can always tell when we get an om- and it's very rare these days that you get a, a written letter um, through the post here, especially. Yeah. Um, you can always tell if it's from an older person or not. And sometimes, let's be honest, it, the the writing is very scratchy, and you think, right, here we go. This is going to be an interesting. Well, you one. know, well, okay, we know if they're nutters because we get letters on purple paper, mauve paper. 
no with coloured in pictures and coloured in pictures. Yeah, but so is well, is that that's that's a very basic form of graphology, isn't it? Mm. Isn't it? Maybe it is. It's reading someone's handwriting and not the actual words, but the but looking at the the artistry of the handwriting and going nut job. Now that's a, that's a very simplified level. So maybe there is something in someone being able to study it a bit deeper. But that guy on the documentary <coughs> we watched talked about you know lots of loops is about imagination. Yeah. And um, uh, the tilt of the writing talk is about uh, emotion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can tell uh, where the stress is by, you know, how tilted it is over on which words and the pressure on the paper. Yeah. I don't know. It, it feels a little bit like astrology, you know, in the, yeah, okay, well, a lot, a lot of what they're saying could apply to anyone. And then you turned to me and you went, Numerology is rubbish as well. Of course it is. Well, well, of course it is. Why would you even say that to me? Some people believe in it. It's like turning to me and saying, well, you know French is a foreign language. Yeah, of course I know. Everyone knows that. Numerology. What, so you add up the numbers of your name and that tells you what your personality type is. What a load of old guff. Of course it's nonsense. I, w- I was offended that you felt you had to say that to me. Oh, well. Oh, well, what? It wasn't my fault you were offended. I'll go to the trail. Experience the unconventional, Evening, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox exactly. with rule-free Ian Lee. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. I've got no internet for the last four days. On Talk Radio. Bad news, guys. The Monkeys have got a new album out. It's a Christmas album. It sucks. I was asked to review it for Record Collector, and I listened to it, and I went, I, I can't review this, I'm afraid. I work with these guys. I, 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 I can't do it. 0344 499 1000 is the telephone number. What the hell is wrong with Roman Kemp? First of all, what is a Roman Kemp? Well, he's a boy that presents a breakfast show. He's like 14 or something. And he presents a breakfast show. And he's the son of um, the Kemp brothers. Uh, they made love and had, a, had a, an incestuous baby called Roman Kemp. right? And so he hosts the Crapital Breakfast Show. Um, and he, I saw this thing on Twitter. So he slagged off a band, right, which is which is fine. We're allowed to do it. We don't live in uh, Hitler's Russia. We, 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 we're allowed to slag off bands. And he slagged off BTS, which are, are I think, are they, um, um, I'm, I'm going to pick a nation, but I might get the wrong nation, and that will make me a racist. I think they're Korean. I think they're Korean boy band, right? They're huge. They're like one of the biggest bands in the world. They sold like a billion records or something. But, um, but, but you know, mainly in Asian countries. So he said, so Ro- Roman Kemp, the illegitimate son, son of the Kemp brothers from um, uh, the incestuous band Spandau Ballet. So he says, oh, BTS are rubbish, right? And then there's a huge Ferrari and a backlash. So then he takes to social media to go, um, guys, I uh, just want to say, um, if I offended anybody by saying that BTS aren't a very good band, I'd like to apologise sincerely. By the way, 0344 499 1000. What am I, chopped liver? Just talking to myself here? Pick up the phone. So he sent out a massive apology for saying that he thought a band were crap because he then offended loads of that band's fans. 
what? This is this is the world we live in now. When a music, this is it. They want bland. They want bland. A, a breakfast, a music breakfast host has to backtrack after saying that he thinks a band isn't very good. I think Coldplay suck a fat one. You two are appalling. Well, why, why can't we say that? Hang on a minute. Maria. Oh, oh good. Hello, Maria. Hello. Turn your radio off. Yes. Thank you. Do you know who BTS are? Um, BTS, BTS, it does ring a bell. But I can't give you the this abbreviation right now. Oh. What does it stand for? Help me. Help me. Straight standards Help! or something? Man overboard! Help! <laughs> oh dear. Hello, Ian. Hello, Hello Maria. Katha's gone. I've banished her from the studio because she kept oh letting God. rip. So, Maria, it's just oh. you and me. And I'm going to oh. be honest, I'm feeling sexy. <laughs> You're feeling sexy. sexy. I'm not. I'm feeling very hot, but not so sexy. Oh, <laughs> I tell you that for sure. I love. I love your accent. It makes oh, me. Good. It makes me want to respect you as a woman. Thank you very much. I respect you as well. I for think your accent and otherwise. I think te quiero. I think. <laughs> Te quiero, pero dices nada. Todas las horas y todas las noches. Ale, linica, linica. Okay. I think... I'm sorry, sorry. I think... You have to mute that. I think if I yes. dressed up as a woman... Yes. I think I could look hot. I think I could be a sexy woman. Okay, what's happening today on the radio after that public kiss or something? Everyone is trying to experiment on their other... Sexual versions, right? Let's okay. experiment with our other sexual versions. Let's do it. Right? Why, have you <laughs> have you never have you never wanted to dress up as a boy? To dress up as a boy. Okay, when I was a baby, my mum would dress me in blue, so I think I've had my share there. Okay, you've done it. You've done it. Yeah. Did Nature she... has given me more oh. more muscles than boobs, oh. so I think I'm sorted. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Did mum did mum want a boy? Was she disappointed you were a girl? No, 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 no. Nothing like that. It's okay. just that it was matching with my blue eyes. I... I yeah. Why, um... It's funny, isn't it, colours, gender colours? Because I, like, I, look, I look good in pink. I rock a pink <laughs> shirt like nobody else. Do you? Because you're a sweet man, that's why. I'm probably. a very sweet man. You see, Catherine, you leave and I get compliments from beautiful, muscular women <laughs> with small boobs. But <laughs> but I can tell you that not all men look good in pink, honestly. Okay. And some some men, when I see them in pink, it's like, oh my God. Maria thinks uh, if I dressed up as a woman, I'd look sexy. Yeah, but I think you're just fine dressed up like a man. Okay. Um, <laughs> and well, I think that your female expression is just fine okay. within your male body. What have you called in for, Maria? So I'm enjoying talking to you more than I've ever enjoyed speaking to anyone in my life. But what would you like to say tonight? <laughs> oh, I love this big lie. Thank you so much. <laughs> Lovely lie. <laughs> oh, she can <laughs> see through my fake showbiz personality. All right. Lovely one. I, I, I listened to a lot of, I hear a lot of lies, but that was a, a nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you're going to lie, here's the thing. If you're going to lie, don't don't tell a mean lie. Tell a nice lie. A beautiful yeah, one. Yeah, something else. Like, my whole life, my whole life, you know, it's like I have it deep in my heart and things like that. You know, emotional things. Hasn't she know? got the best accent in the world? What is that, Greek? Yes. Oh, Greek. Then what, hang on a minute. Why, when I was speaking Spanish, did you were you talking to me? 
Uh, in Greek. Okay, yeah. hang on a second. Um, <laughs> Kalispera. No. Kalispera, Kalispera. Um, oh, hang on. Um, Tikanis? Talaya, nesi. Popo zesti. I'm divorcing a Greek woman. And, um, I, oh, she's sad. Yeah, I love the, uh, anyway, I was learning Greek for a, for a while. It is the mm-hmm. hardest language in the world. My favourite phrase got ruined when we entered Europe. Um, oh, yeah. and because, um, I didn't need to use it anymore. Go on. But I was really proud of it. You're going to love this, Maria. Brace yourself. Yeah. Thelon para calo. You can do the accent as well. I love the Greek accent. Honestly, the Greek accent. My accent probably sounds Spanish. No, it, no, it sounded Greek. The, the Greek accent is one of. I'm going to say one of the. Oh 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 oh! Here he comes. It was very good. It was very good, Catherine. Just that my my phone is not very clear, and I didn't get it what you wanted to change. Elona Laxo, ekato lides para kalo. Ekato, it's because the tone and intonation goes on the O. Ekato, ekato lires para calo. Okay. Excellent. 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 A plus. Stamata. 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 What would you, Maria? Oh, and Kuklamoo is another one, isn't it? Oh, Kuklamoo. Now, now, Maria, listen, because pr- you probably want to light your third cigarette in a second. So, <laughs> I am. I am running out of tobacco, out of paper. Of course, you are. You're a Greek. You're running out of tobacco and you're running out of taxes. <laughs> um, so, what? Pay some tax, for God's sakes, and then your country won't be bankrupt. Um, uh, uh, man alive, I could murder some souvlaki right now. My 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 eldest favourite food is souvlaki, and uh, um, can you believe this, um, Maria? For the first. Six years of me going to Greece, um, mm-hmm. I was a vegetarian, and it was only in the last couple of years that I just, that I started eating meat. Oh man! So when you went to mm. Greece and said you're a vegetarian, did they say, "Ah, oh, but but do you eat lamb?" Yeah, there's there a lot of that. <laughs> there's a lot of fish was served up. You go, no, I, I don't eat that. Um, but then I was well because all this. I don't mean to sound sexist. It's not, but all Greek women are amazing yeah. cooks, mm-hmm. and my ex-wife's. Um, Aunt, elderly aunt who's in her seventies, would would just cook the most the um the macaroni cheese. Yeah. Oh, jeez, uh. it's like it's like um eating clouds. It's incredible the macaroni cheese. Yeah, that would have been a special version, yep. Greek version. Because oh yeah. Don't have it, so it would have been specially made. She made it you. fresh. Oh. The eggs, my favourite, with Greek cheeses. With, uh, with here we go. Uh, it's all it's all fresh. It's all fresh. <sighs> Yeah, I know that. <laughs> oh, talking about fresh pasta as well. Oh. Yeah, talking about Greek wow. cheeses. Last year we went to Crete. Was it? Yeah, Crete for our um, yeah. holidays, and we had this. And I was like, "This is amazing! What is this?" It was feta cheese, a round of feta cheese with honey on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crete, Crete is, is is excellent in culinary wise. Like they have. Uh, but also the uh, my lovely, f- lovely history. Okay, good and bad, but you know something. My favorite, like- f- my favorite food, nice and simple. 
tomatoes and fried eggs. You get the you, you get the tomatoes and the garlic, similar to what we oh, cook. Bravo, but... Kajanas. Oh, flipping man yes, alive. Yes. Yes, man. It's one of the simplest things. Yeah, but and the best. So yummy. The best. So would, yummy. I would, say, I would say. I would say. I go to visit my aunt. She go. What? What can I cook for you? And I'd say that, and she'd go. Really? That'll take me mm. five minutes. I'll do, I'm going to do a lamb for you if you want. No, no, no. That'll do. Thank you, Maria. Did we get yes, to the point I of your not. call? Yeah. Okay. So I feel very hot. I can't get any sleep. I'm I'm having a, a very challenging job assignment tomorrow morning, so that stresses me out uh-oh, uh-oh. quite a bit. Yes, because it's gonna be after ages that I haven't really practiced my translation or interpreting skills. Oh, is yeah, that is that your job then? You're you're an interpreter. Yeah, it should have been, but I have a huge gap in between being a temp operative and unemployed in the UK. Yeah. Not not that it worked um, excellent uh, in Greece, but I did make uh, a step. I did. I have worked anyway, but I, I practically have done no work uh, oh, no. in seven years. Oh, no. And tomorrow's the first day in seven years? Uh, doing interpreting, yes. Oh, man. Maybe I've done, uh, like, a few pages of translation. Yeah. Uh, that's in seven years. <laughs> uh, so what, what, don't, don't give us the specifics, but what kind of thing yeah. is it? Is it, is it a live translation for a conference? Is it a business meeting? What is it? It's, it's, uh, it's gonna be on a medical, uh, context. So patient and, uh, and doctor. Mm. And the thing is that, you know, it's like, it's your native language, yeah? Yeah. So professionally and ideally, uh, whoever is booking you or yourself looking for a job, they tell you that it should be your native language either from that or towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, ideally. Uh, you're either a bilingual born and raised and you can do it or super mastering the language, uh, but rather not do it. Meaning that if you're English and you speak perfect French, perfect Spanish, and you take a job that's going to be from French to Spanish, yeah. Spanish to French, you should be very, very good or bilingual. And it's like a protocol that should be followed to either take or give the assignment. However, the market, the world, and life doesn't work. Here's, yeah. the, here's the thing, though. Right? Oh. I mean, if you, if you can't translate a bit or you miss a bit, just make yeah. it up. Well, it's only medicine. What's the worst <laughs> that could happen? <laughs> So, 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 so yes. someone dies, Maria. People die. That's the circle of life. Mm. Deal with it. People are dying yeah. everywhere. That's exactly how I thought uh, about of course it. Is. You're Greek. Being a, a perfectionist and just waiting for the ideal just has left me with nothing. So I'm just going for it tomorrow, but it's going to be on my third working language, which means I speak three foreign languages, English, French, Italian. I haven't much spoken French and Italian for quite some time. I've been speaking English because I've been staying quite a long time, very long time here. But, you know, it's a bit rusty. So hang on, so, so tomorrow, what, so what, what language are you translating Italian. from? To, you're trans- English, from- Italian. Flipping it, and you're Greek. Wow. Catherine, mm. you're a language master. Well, that sounds like a... So you're not translating from your, your, your mother tongue. Uh-huh. That sounds like a double yeah. super hard challenge. Could you, could you mm. do that, Catherine? Back in, back in the day, my, my heyday, probably. I haven't spoken French for such no, a but you could, could you, I mean, could you, for example, if you were listening to a, a French speaker, could you translate Catherine from French to Spanish? Mm, yeah. Could you? Yeah. Wow. Because I don't get... I can't do languages, Maria. I really can't. I've, I, I really <laughs> tried with Greek. I did all right with Japanese, because it's 
very formal. <laughs> but I tried... It is. But I tried with Greek. Um, by the way, I love the fact that, um, you know, we say it's all Greek to me. The Greeks say it's yeah. all Chinese yeah, to me. Yeah, the Spanish yeah, say it's all yeah. Chinese. It's a great... I love that. Um, well, listen, would you... Uh, if you're up to it, if you're not too tired, tomorrow, could you give us a call mm-hmm. and let us know how you get on? Yeah, I will do. I think and, you've got uh, this one, Maria. I think you've got this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God bless you. I think... <laughs> I think I think you've got this. I think you can do this. I think once you get into yeah, it, first couple of minutes might be a little bit... You know what it's like, Maria. You start to... Once you, like, relax and start to think in the language that they're speaking rather than trying to translate it, you'll be absolutely fine. It's like just flipping that little switch in your head that stops panicking, you know? Hopefully, hopefully. You can do it. You can do everything it. Everything will be... <laughs> All words and phrases would be doable, you know? Nah, you'll be fine. Um, best of luck, Maria. Let, hopefully, yeah. listen, give us a call tomorrow night and we're all rooting for you. Best of luck. Okay. Thank you. Uh, shall I leave the social services problems for another night then? Oh, hang on. What's the social services? Whoa, ser- whoa, whoa. Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what is the social ser- Carl, stay there. We're coming to you. What's uh, the social services problem? Uh my my baby daughter has been taken away from me. Oh, Maria! Mm. Oh, my love, mm. what's happened? Uh, I had a very messy. Um, they called it unhygienic, but I won't agree. I had a very messy and uh, a bit cluttered flat uh, on an unannounced visit that they did on uh, one of the hottest days yeah. of this summer. Yeah. And uh, because the the flat is also infested. With what, rats, uh, m- mice, cockroaches? <laughs> I wish. I would be chasing them around. It, what is it, fleas? And, and there would be one or two. Uh, no, bug bugs. Bed bugs. Bugs. Bed bugs. Bed bugs. Oh, no, bed bugs are a flipping nightmare to get rid of. Oh, man. That's a nightmare. And I've had them for more than uh, months. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Months. Currently, I am sleeping in to avoid them. The nude. I am sleeping in. <laughs> <laughs> no, that I tried in the summer so that they don't go under the clothes. Yeah. But at the moment, because they can crawl and go anywhere, they can have a grip. So wherever it's uh, a bit slidey, slippery, you know, they cannot. Uh, yeah, I'm sleeping in the bathtub and it's not at all comfortable. And oh, that's also <laughs> in the bath. Sleeping. Here's the thing: you yeah, can get yeah. bed bugs from books. People buying secondhand books. You, yeah, and can... where do you keep them under your bed? Yeah. Oh, mate. So when did they? T- How old's your baby? So Zoe's uh, born on the 22nd of the 4th, 17th. Oh, she's... Uh, you know, I stopped counting after they took her. I'm, I'm counting from the time from the day they took her. So April, May, June, July, August, September. Yeah. Almost one and a half year. How long has she been gone for? Uh, since the 25th of the 7th. Of July. But it's ages for me because it's of course my it first is. Uh, baby. Oh, mate, a day, a day is... I loved being with her. A day is a lifetime know. when you're not with your baby. Exactly. Do you get to see her? Uh, uh, three hours, three to five hours uh, per week. Well, Kath and I are both parents and, and uh, we're, we're speechless at, at that. 
And so it's because... Me too. It's because the, the flat is cluttered. It's, it's got to be more than just cluttered, hasn't it? For, yeah, for they're them calling to... me a hoarder. Aha. Mm. And what kind of stuff, what kind of stuff are you... How do you feel about being called a hoarder? Uh, I feel that uh, the true lunatics, the ones that are not inside any asylum, yeah. are all disguised in professional suits uh, with lots of authority, all these people. Yeah. And I have an excellent magnet to draw them on me. Like in Greek, I'm sure you know the phrase of a uh, magnet. Yes. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, so That's what? What? I so what? Mean. Can you describe? Okay, can you describe mm. the room that you're in now? Then what? What? What would I see if I was there? So I have. Um, it's cluttered because I have provided myself being poor into quotation marks. Whenever I haven't been poor, yeah. I've been providing myself with everything that I cannot buy. Yeah. If I don't buy it as a bargain, as a two-in-one offer, as a super reduced. As this or that, yeah? yeah. Mm. So, I have a bit of loads of quite a few things. I have loads of spices. Yeah. I have loads of bread. I have loads of books. I have, uh, I don't know, quite a few mugs. Um, when you say, okay, when you say quite a few... paperwork. When you say quite a few mugs, how many mugs have you got there? Not more than ten. <laughs> A mountain? Not more than ten. More than more than a hundred? No. So, you see, I cannot be a hoarder. Well, well you've got loads of bread. Yeah, because I like bread, and being poor, if you find it reduced, oh, you won't it. buy just one. You'll buy three or five, okay. you know? But how much of it do you chuck away? How much of the bread do you chuck away because it goes off? Yeah, that again, being poor, I don't let go so easily. So they'll be thrown away. I'm an anti-waste person okay. as well. So have you got mouldy bread there? <laughs> no. Will you pour... No, will you pour company of the mouldy bread. Whereabouts in Greece are you from? <coughs> Born and raised in Athens. Okay. And you where... And um, were you poor? Were you poor as a kid? Was it a poor family? No, no, never been raised uh, with such a spirit. Even if the difficulties, the practical difficulties, would actually be like okay, a single parent raising two kids in Greece, you know. So, so, so what are they? What are social services saying you have to do hmm. to get your baby back? Have they have they told you what you have to do? Uh, whatever they've been uh, telling me, like don't do this, don't do that, I don't know, whatever I've been doing, and uh, they haven't been doing whatever I've been asking, and it resulted to this. So I don't trust them anymore. That's why I called you, <laughs> called you people on there, because uh, sometimes I get. Too scared, too yeah, okay. too too imprisoned, too oh, like man. in a dungeon, and no one will release me. <laughs> have they said, for example, have they said, look, Mar- Mrs. Maria, Miss Maria, mm. if you clear all of this stuff out mm. and you get rid of the, rid of the bed bugs, we can let you have the baby back. Have they said something like that? 
Well, I've been asking uh, all of them to disinfest the place for months, and uh, they started, they stopped it, they said it's too cluttered, cannot do it. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I've been uh, I've been tidying up and organizing and asking and waiting and tidying up. What would happen so that... to you? What would happen to you yeah. if you left your flat knowing yeah. that a team of cleaners was going in and you came well, back and everything in your flat apart from your settee, your telly, one loaf of bread, four mu- everything had been cleared out. What? Wh- how would that make you feel? Well, how would the, the owner of a bank and the shareholders would feel if I would hack their whole bank system and say took all the funds out of there and left their company, their whole structures collapse in them? I would it's suspect just, uh, that knickers to wear. I would suspect would that. Feel? I would suspect that as long as they had their their kids with them and knickers to wear, they'd still be all right. Yeah, but that's a sick place. That's a sick game that uh, they've put me to play. So you leave a person for ages without money. Now mm. that person lives in a material world. They need to provide for themselves, have things. Not all of us are day in, day out. Uh, an egg, a bread, a water. And the next day, uh, a sausage, uh, an egg... Uh, a sounds, beer. Sounds like a great and, meal so far. You know, with that great very, cooking. Very, hey, I, I cannot live without no, variety and diversity. And if nothing can offer it to me, okay. I offer it to my. Hey, this, Maria, my listen. Belongings. Maria, listen. We have to go because I'm so late for the news. Um, yeah. I'd love to talk to you tomorrow if you feel like you can call up, because um, I'd love to know how the job goes. Mm. Um, and also, it would give me a bit of time to kind of get my head around. All, you've, you've given us some amazing revelations, and I really appreciate you phoning in and being, you know, sharing this with me because this is mm. big stuff. And we started oh, yeah. having a laugh, and then, you know, it got quite heavy. But it, I'd love to have a chat tomorrow about how the job mm. went and also just get my head around what you've told us. Would that be okay? Yeah, hopefully I will fill up to it because I, I don't know how I made it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, know. I, know. I don't know. And, um, well, if you don't do it tomorrow, mm-hmm. we've got Thursday. And if you can't do it Thursday, we've got Friday. But I'd really like to talk to you this week again, if we could. Okay. Would that be all right? Okay. I've enjoyed our conversation. One of my big, one of big fears, uh, this thing, it's like, okay, yeah, what would happen if a natural disaster come and... Just oh, no natural disasters! Maria, no natural disaster is coming! No natural... There's no natural disaster! Stop that! Hey, if, I, if I go in a flood and there's nothing left, or leave the flood and everything will be chucked away... Listen, I guarantee, I pretty much... I, I, I 85... I 7... I, I, I 35% guarantee that you and I will still be alive on Friday. And there will not have been a big natural disaster. It's 35% The guaranteed. odds aren't so good for me, let's be honest. Kath, Kath is screwed. Um, <laughs> let's, let's spe- I'm, I'm so late for the news. Let's speak later in the week, please. Okay, okay. You take care of yourself. Good. Focus okay, on the job you. tomorrow, okay? Okay. Cheers, my love. There we go. Tati bye. Well, that's Maria there. Um, here's the news. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The wild man of late night radio, Ian Lee. Differently interesting nocturnal emissions from a legend of late night radio. On air and off the leash. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. 0344 499 Carl's been waiting for ages. Let's go straight to Carl. Good evening, Carl! Hello, Carl. You're right, mate. Great you, show. You're, no, you're, you're Carl. I'm Ian. 
Brilliant. Yep. Um, can I talk about romance? Is that OK? Uh, sure. Would you mean the David Cassidy 1985 album, or...? No, no, just straight romance. I'd like to introduce a debate to the nation. Um, who is more romantic the, uh, in, in the sex, the, uh, the mm. woman or the man? Who is more romantic in the sex? Yeah, who's, who's more romantic? Well, what, 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 is your, um, uh, what is your opinion, Carl? Well, I think it's the man. I think it's the woman. Right, OK. I think it depends on the woman or the man in question. So we've got, we've got three differences of opinions. How are we going to sort this well, out? that's OK. Um, I can only talk from personal experience. Of course. Um, the wife and I, we don't um, engage physically very often. Huh? Um, I'm a poet. I like to use romantic words, I think, anyway. What's a romantic... Give me a romantic word. Um, well... Rut? If I, uh, I promise not to use blue language. There's a promise, Ian, yeah? Don't use B language. I won't. No, I won't. It's a promise. Um, if I was to gracefully uh, lower myself um, to the bedroom area where my wife was horizontally positioned... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I could prompt maybe a, um, a spiritual, physical encounter involving um, glorious a glorious union of fleshy bouncing... Um, uh, do, do you know what my wife told me the other night? Um, she doesn't like your glorious union of fleshy bouncing. No, no, she likes it. And this is my point. This and this is my point. Is that what you said to her? So you don't, you don't know what she said. Well, I'll tell you. Please do. She said, mm. "Shove your salami up my drain." <laughs> now, yeah, which one's the drain? Do I need to repeat that, or no? no. Are women more romantic, or are we going to... Which one Which one is the drain? I don't know. I'm just saying... Which one did you shove it up? You know, soak it up. Nope. Shove your salami yep. up my drain. Say it one more time for me. <clears throat> what, the, what, the poetic um, so, my monologue, or...? The motherlogue? Do you mean what she said? What she said, yeah. Um, well, I've told you, I'm nice. Sh- sh- shove your salami... Salami up my drain. Okay, that is not romantic. But apparently, I, apparently. But, but I, I think your wife may be atypical. Because normally it's the it's men really? that are like, I'm gonna, um, well, I'm gonna knock romantic. down, I'm gonna knock down your portcullis, right, with my battering ram, or sometimes no, yeah, called a, sometimes yeah. called a buttering ram. Yeah, but as a man, you should say something like, oh, from a raised aspect, I want to descend into a rhythmical action engaging in a fusion of bodily expression. That's what you should say. Um, and your woman's response... melting pot of writhing, entwined, magical oneness. Men are full of this. Um, full of something. My wife would say something like, stick your baton up my corridor. I think she's mixing her metaphors apart from anything else, but you get the hint of what she means. You Wave know. your joystick in my well, cathedral. Did you, did you soak that up? I mean, stick your baton... Yep, we got it. We heard that. ...up my corridor. Yes, sir. Um, should right. be lost. So, let's get a grip. Are men more romantic? I think they are. Well, get a grip isn't a very romantic phrase. More, It will be more like, in uh, embrace my love truncheon... With your five fingers of pleasure. Okay, you're a talented lad, I know. 
where you could tenderly enforce an unfettered, endearing inseparability of uh, burgeoning chemistry. Yeah. And you know what my wife would say to that? Put your winky in my fanny! (laughs) No, no. Ram your hot dog up my pipe. Gosh. She's very into sausage, isn't she? (laughs) Passionately as well, that's, you know... That's with passion. So is the is the debate open then, or the debate? Well, something wide open. open. Yeah, the yeah, debate. You're very quick, Kath. You're very quick. Yeah. <laughs> the debate. But it's but it is serious, isn't it? I'm, I, I, I'm really. not. Um, no. Because we're not talking about love, are we? We're just talking about romance, aren't we? Well, I don't think we're even talking about that, are we? We're talking about physical romance. We're talking about a union of physical romance. Yes. Fleshy yeah. mounds. Melding into one. Okay. Well, you, Carl, you've given us a lot to think about, and actually, right now, I'm thinking about your wife. Um, so I hope you don't mind. But thank you. Uh, so, so thanks very much for the call, Carl. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. If just give the question again, Carl. Um, well, when I assertively stimulate an embracing attachment, stylistically administering a smooth, intermittent thrusting in a blaze of love fervor, yeah. she said, "Stuff your rod into my bucket." God. So you're asking, who is more romantic? Is it yeah. men or women? There's no contest. I think I've proved my point, but if you want to open it up to the nation, that would be brilliant. What, your wife? Uh, no. <laughs> you're not taking it seriously, no? His point. Thanks very much for the call. 03444991000. Take a trip into the alternate reality of late night radio. I think I'm in something like the Matrix, and so are you. The late night alternative. Hello, hello. With Ian Lee. Is there anybody out there? On Talk Radio. Hello. Oh, 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 oh. oh nine nine one thousand. I just was it thirty seven. That I just I don't know what it means, Sam. Just come on the microphone and tell me. He's giving me out time so we can play Beverly Craven. Tell me what to, tell me what to do, man. Hit the next break at thirty seven. Yeah, and then that, then go go straight into it. Then they'll give you two minutes. This is the thing. Then he gives you a it. two minute window on the other side, which I don't want. This two minute window. And what would you want? Like a forty second window. And what can I have a forty second window? Okay, then take one minute. No, add one minute twenty to the thirty-seven. No, and break. you do that maths. <laughs> I'm not. I don't get paid to do maths. You don't get paid to do maths, but you you should do the maths for free. Fine. Oh, I just did a weird thing. Just go back to where you were. Don't don't look. Don't move. Look, look, look. My, using that glass, my face is superimposed on Sam's face. That's well, what. It, that's why I look like. This angle, it ain't. Well, no, you got to be directly my angle. But it, that's what I look like if I was young mm-hmm. and handsome. This way, does that work for you? Then? Okay. Now, now you've, yes. you know, both of you are being idiots. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us a call. Um, there's a new app uh, for San Francisco where I've been. I have too. Called, My sister used to live there. Called Snapcrap. Oh. App developer hopes to help clean up San Francisco streets. The new app lets users snap a photo of the area in San Francisco that needs to be cleaned up, and then sends a report to the city's three one one hotline. No, Snap Crap isn't a weird bathroom parody of Snapchat. All right, all right, news, don't do jokes. All right, don't do jokes. The new app released on Tuesday is trying to help clean up the dirty streets of San Francisco. It's like the TV show, The Dirty Streets. I don't remember them being particularly dirty, do you? Well, well, I've not been there for for 15 years. Tell you what did stink, though. Sea lions. Okay, fine. That's irrelevant to this. You haven't been in San Francisco for years, neither have I. Maybe it's changed. Oh, um, okay, uh, streets. According to its developer, Sean Miller, a San Francisco engineer who moved from Vermont to south of Market in 27, and immediately took notice to the immediately took notice to the feces, 
needles and trash. Miller says he didn't know anyone when he moved to the city to work for Plevo, so he decided to move into a communal living space on the somewhat notoriously filthy 6th Street in Soma. That's south of... The market. That's what you just said at the beginning of that. Okay, okay. I don't listen to what I say. (laughs) Right, you're an idiot. Come back on there now, right? So... The original out time to to give me a two minute thirty seven wasn't it right to give me a two minute thing mm-hmm. right and then I said so that was give me two minutes was to, I had to go at thirty seven yeah right? then I said no 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 I want a forty second window so so what you thirty eight twenty right on my screen I'm going off of rough time be quiet boy be quiet boy on my screen it says thirty eight I can give you an exact if you want we've lost yes but it's yes we've lost we've lost twenty seconds somewhere in the mix. Sam. Shall I just go home? No. <laughs> do you just do your job, mate? Oh, he's turning. Do you think you are Karen? <laughs> do your job. You think you are James Masterton? Just do your job, boy. <clears throat> A lot of uh, that's when he got the idea for Snap Crap. We should have it for staff. We just take a picture of the staff. Ch- chat crab. <laughs> chat crab. Chat crap. Chat crab. Crap. Who's chat crab? Chat, chat, crab's crab. quite, chat crab's not a bad idea for a chat show. It's hosted by a crab, <laughs> and he gets um, he gets like Kevin Hart on and um, that that um, d- dirty dancer Sean Mann or whatever his name is. <laughs> Sean Mann. Sean Mann. His name's Sean and he's a man. They get him on, mm. or get the get the both the ladies on. Oh. Chat crab tonight on Chat Crab we got both the ladies in the dirty dancing scandal, the good lady and the bad lady, and there's plenty of booze. See what happens tonight at 10 on ITV with Chat Crab. <laughs> Giving it all that. <laughs> a lot of people at the house would joke about the situation because, because it's obvious that... <laughs> so we've lost six seconds, but um, I, I can work with that. OK, whatever, let's just not... I mean... The show they're is descending not, into maths. They're not used to accuracy. Please. Do you know I bought those Atari um, games for twelve quid? Mm. They're shit. There's one on there. There's, like, they're, they're, honestly, they're rubbish. I got. To, I thought. I thought I'd get an hour of fun out of it. I got fifteen minutes of tedium out of it. Right. Uh-huh. There's one. There's, there's an Atari game for this for the PlayStation. It's old Atari games, right? and they're awful. Awful. There's one called Haunted House, and you're just a pair of eyes, and you just move around the screen. <laughs> and that's the game, is it? That's it. <laughs> There's a brilliant, there's a brilliant Limmy sketch actually, where um, he's like bored of his PlayStation and he goes into the cupboard and he finds his old Atari and he gets it out. He's going, oh, this will be fun, and it's just him. One of the games is jump, where you just got to press the button and jump. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this was like. There's one on there called Maths, right? Uh, it's an Atari game, mm-hmm. Maths, right, for an Atari, and it'll come up nine plus nine, and there's no way of inputting the answer. You just go. 18, then you press the button and the answer comes up. That's it! Oh, so it's just for your own personal practice. Just for a bit of fun. <laughs> um, what was I going to say about it? Um, it was boring. Okay. Um, we realise it's a serious problem. Frankly, it's a health hazard. I'm bored of this story. While the city has its own app that allows users to request sidewalk cleaning and report other defects, like manhole covers, graffiti and tree maintenance, <laughs> Miller says their app is rubbish. It takes so many clicks to actually order this. Where's the bit where you can take a picture of a poo? <laughs> um, oh, dear. Okay, okay. Um, a 
couple of months ago, I was getting frustrated seeing this stuff every day. He means crap. And hearing people complain about it, I just decided to build the damn thing. I'm going to build the damn thing. I figured that if myself and all of my friends and housemates wanted it, there must be a bunch of other people that would find value in it as well. Miller designed the app to open straight to the camera, allowing users to quickly snap a photo of the area and automatically grab their location and auto-fills the rest of the ticket. Gosh. I see poop is one of the random automated comments that Miller designed to fill out the required comment section on the city's form. He said he wanted to make reporting public health issues fun for the community. Um, the app is extremely basic right now, but I plan to add a bunch of other features. I think a crap map would be pretty funny. This guy, this guy is going to get a, a, a punch into the, into the nose. I see a fist. <laughs> that story was rubbish. I've got one. There we go. This um, list has appeared on social media. Uh, 22 things that this girl has told her boyfriend she's, he's not allowed to do if he's in a relationship with her. Okay. okay, is is it... Okay, well, steady on now, steady on now. Here we go. Sense yourself, boy. You are not allowed to have a single girl's phone number. Yep, fair enough. Well, that's not fair enough. No, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You are not... I mean, all of this is ridiculous, so oh, okay. hang on to your hats. Okay, okay. You are not allowed to follow them on any social media, including Instagram, Snapchat and Twitter. Okay. You are not to hang out with Keegan, including his house or anywhere in public. Keegan's a dick. Keegan. You are not to go to Honda without me. Vroom, vroom. Okay. You are not to hang out with your friends more than two times a week. Can I, get, can I just check? Is this one of them? Oh, my computer failed me. Let me try again. Can I just check? Is this one of them? Shove your salami up my drain. <laughs> no, okay. These are all things you're not to do. Okay. Is, uh, is, is this one of them? Ram your hot dog up my pipe. <laughs> Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Can I just do something? Ram your hot dog up my pipe. Please do it. <laughs> yeah, baby. You can do it right please. now, please. Please. Hang on a minute. I think I've, I've got the next 20 minutes of radio. Something like this. Ram your hot dog up my pipe. Please. Yeah. Oh, I think it's okay. You can do it right now, please. Can we do that again? <laughs> oh, Macca. Dirty Macca. <laughs> Who's the most romantic? Men, women, or Macca? <laughs> Macca. So I apologise, Catherine, please. Right. On with the story. On, on with the, the outlining of, of things that you... Sh- no one should get involved with anyone who gives you a list. No I mean, she's written it down. Guy. Also, quite a lot of it's spelt wrong. I... You are not to look at a single girl. If girls come up to your place at any place or any time, you are to walk away. What? Mo is to not hang out with us every time we hang out. Come on. You are not to get mad at me about a single thing ever again. That's wrong. You are not to bring up Tyler, Noah, Devon or Josh ever again. Well, I really think this is great. You are not allowed to drink unless I am with you. I am allowed to do a phone check whenever I please. Oh. If we move in, there are to never... Ever be girls at our house. Grab pussy. <laughs> if we move in together, your friends will rarely be allowed over. You know what I mean. God, is it? I mean, just in case you were worrying, wondering whether this girl maybe she's misunderstood. If I catch you around girls, I kill you. Oh, God. You are not to ditch me for your friends. Are you real? 
Austin does not control when I hang out with you. Oh, that's better. We are to go on a legit date once every two weeks at least. What? If I say jump, you say, how high, princess? I hate that. You are to make sure you tell me you love me once a day, so at least so I know you're not messing around. It's not true. And you are never to take longer than ten minutes to text me back. Dead. <laughs> I mean, she seems nice. She sounds... She must have an amazing ass to be able to make those demands. She's got, she's got to be hot. She's got to be um, uh, Sarah Ferguson hot. She's got to be sucking toes at bedtime. With tea time. Yeah. And lunchtime. It's yeah. toe sucking time. Yeah. They suck them souls. Yeah. Careful, then. You nearly um, stumbled over that and said something outrageous. <laughs> um, ah, people. This person. <laughs> oh, and the last person in that documentary about stalkers um, uh, wanted to kill Stephen Hendry. And, uh, because he didn't want her fan letters anymore. Yeah, she wrote, right, in fact, she wrote three fan letters. This is her story. She wrote three fan letters, and she got a letter back saying to stop communicating with him. Uh, okay, all right. Mm, they must have been nice letters. Um, so then she started sending letters saying she was going to kill him. Yeah. And then phoned him up saying she was going to kill him. It's the obvious transition. And then she, then she was going, the, the mistake I made was I got caught. Yeah. And if I ever did it again... I would make sure I didn't get caught. Yeah. I mean, some show. Some show. Um, but then it made me think, we've got callers and listeners. Listeners now, because we've got to stop them calling in, that are as easy to to offend as this one. She was offended because mm-hmm. she got a letter saying, "Don't please don't write anymore. She, she took it as a personal. Yeah. And kind of, well, it was a romantic slight, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and, and we have, you know, we, we have experience. On a slight, we've not had death threats. Uh, actually, no, actually, I've, of course I've had loads of death threats. The first place I worked, um, there was one particular person who had, um, I think, worked very briefly there, and then it hadn't worked out, and then took it upon himself, and he's still about, I think, he goes, gets in and out of prison, to um, he would look people up, and it was, this was in the days of the electoral roll. He would look up where people lived. He would look at how many children lived there. Yeah. Um, people were getting phone calls at home saying, "You know, I know where your wife works and all this sort of stuff." And from that moment, that's when I swore I would never change my name on air if I got married. Oh, was that why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because oh. he was tracing people, and like you know, that's why I don't mention what my husband's name is. I don't mention what my children's names are. You won't know exactly where I live. I don't follow any of them online. I don't know, I don't know her husband's name or her kids' names. I, I've met her kids. I call them Biggin and Littlin, and I don't know where you live. Yeah, and I can't even follow my kids' school on Twitter because it would be obvious. Yeah. Who is this guy? Oh, well, I'll tell you the name off air. No, but... but uh, uh, he, he was someone who worked very bri- briefly for, like, the volunteer section of the of the radio station. Was it Roberto Peroni? No, That's a it joke. wasn't. That's a joke. It wasn't, but I, I think he's still about and he pops up now and again. Who was... You had a... Didn't you have a terrible experience with a guy in the car park? Yeah, was, I never saw him, but he was... following you. Well, he was turning up and waiting outside It's a different work. guy, was it? Yeah, he didn't know what I looked like. But he was obsessed with you. Yeah, and he was—he would send gifts into the station for me and hang about outside. And he was an extraordinary looking person. So I was always on the lookout for him, even though he didn't. He would ask people what colour my hair was. Do you even know what I looked like? But those people, those people think they're being romantic mm-hmm. and friendly. They yeah. don't realise that actually, it's terrifying and upsetting. Yeah, especially when you work somewhere where you're turning up at, or leaving after dark. 
I would always scan, you know, the um, area to make sure, as I drove, I would drive around the long way to make sure that I knew if there was anyone in the streets nearby that could make it to the front door before I did. All that sort of stuff. There's, um, (coughs) my wife, my ex-wife is is, um, a, a journalist. And she, I don't think she's had one for a while, actually. We've certainly not talked about it. But she would get emails from a guy saying, could you, uh, you're hot. Your next, um, your next report, could you do it in a leather catsuit? First of all, that's inappropriate attire for a BBC journalist. Mm-hmm. And secondly, F off. F off, you weirdo. There's a, there's a website which you'll now go rushing to. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying it to a... Well, no, I'm not even going to say it. But there's, there's a website, you know the website, where they just print, post stills of attractive mm-hmm. female television reports. I think Ellie's probably yeah. on there. They, and it's not them... You know, in sexy, some of them are in sexy poses if they've done a photo shoot. But more often than not, it's it's stills from their bulletins. Yeah. And my wife's on there. It's, you think it's women sitting on sofas in skirts a lot of the time? Is that, it's, it's, it's my wife out out and about on the street yeah. doing a, doing it with a microphone. You think you dirty, you sick. I mean, what is that? For a long time, when I was working at the other place, I would get emails when I was presenting, particularly, I would get um, requests from this website called radiobabes.com. Yeah. Have you heard of that? I'm aware of And it, some yeah. women played ball with them, you know, and would send them photos and stuff. No. I was like, nah, I don't want to be part of that. That's not what this is about at all. No, that's not... Um, there was a thing, I was had it down as one of the stories yesterday, or maybe Friday, I think it was yesterday, or maybe Friday, that something like, I don't know the exact figures, something like, they questioned young uh, girls and women, I think between 15 and 21, mm-hmm. and something like 35%, over a third of them, had been um, harassed when they were in their school uniforms. Yeah, I heard about that. It may have been more than, I don't know the exact, exact figures, but they'd been harassed in their school field, and it ranged from wolf whistles yeah. to, to a girl in a school uniform yeah, no. to being touched up to having sexually suggestive things shouted at them mm. um all, all that to a kid yeah i mean even a sixth former right is a kid in a school uniform how the school uniform should underline the fact that this is a child right how is that well, there's, there's, a, there's someone who's obviously a child there I'm going to shout, I'm going to whistle and shout something lurid to her about sex. Here's the thing as well. Wolf whistling is seldom done by one bloke on his own. This is, I'm going to impress my mates by what? Embarrassing a child? Propositioning a child? Whichever way you cut it, it doesn't make you look great, does it? I really hope that 14-year-old wants to have sex with me. Or, or, you know, 17-year-old. We didn't wear uniform in the sixth form. Um, I don't remember. We had to wear, we did, I think we did. Oh, did you? I went to the Sir William Herschel Grammar School. Oh, grammar school, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mama's Community College. Okay, well, um, I passed my eleven plus. What can I tell you? Uh huh. We didn't have them. Okay, well, I'm 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 lucky. I'm one of the lucky ones. I'm one You're of the... a shining example of that education system. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. I went to a grammar school, and now I'm earning more than you. And that, mm. to me, is simple. And I don't think we should get any more grammar schools because I like to keep it elite. Yeah. I like to be part of the elite, mm-hmm. and I am part. I am the elite. I'm the liberal elite. Except I'm not liberal, I'm right-wing, pretending to be the liberal elite because that gets you more action. And it's cool, right? Yeah, very cool, man. Very, very cool, man. Very cool. Did you say cool? Mm. Is that what you said? Mm. Why? Because it's cool to pretend to be... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cool, man. Very cool. ladies love a liberal. 
Ladies love. Apart from the scary ladies, they like them a little bit more uh, hardcore. Naughty girl. <laughs> yeah, but that um, uniform thing is weird, isn't it? Because I've been to... I went to the school disco, you know, that night that they are uh, yep, in Camden. Yep. And it was fun. I mean, admittedly, I don't think I quite got it because I went looking like uh, I was like fresh out of mother care. You, you, know? you went as a teacher. Well, no, I didn't, but I, I mean, my uniform was pristine. <laughs> I went as I went to school, which was pristine, head girl, all my badges on, um, you know, my tie was straight and my skirt was to my knee. But a lot of the others were doing the whole Britney Spears thing. Well, here's the and thing. And when that's a 26-year-old woman... Here's the thing. It's a funny a, a, thing, isn't An it? older woman dressed up in a school uniform. Actually, I do find it sexy because... Because you're both teenagers again. Yeah, because of what it reminds me of. But, I mean, I, I, and it, you know, a, a, a hot woman in a short skirt is sexy, okay? Mm-hmm. I still find it so confusing that I wouldn't want to suggest to a partner, hey, would you dress up as a schoolgirl? Because it fe- it feels... It just yeah, doesn't what are you right. in this scenario? You're grown up. <laughs> it doesn't sit comfortably no. with me. It doesn't... Yeah, it's a sexy image because, OK, when I was 15, I fancied schoolgirls. When I was 13, I fancied schoolgirls, you know. Yeah. So that's obviously lodged in there some way. And when adults do it, the skirt's a bit shorter and it's, it's a bit tarty. Yeah, it's not regulation, yeah, is it? Yeah, it's not regulation. You get sent home for that. <laughs> you certainly would. So it's a sexy outfit, but I would, there would be... Yeah, I would... I, and I, I don't mind a bit of dressing up. It's fun, but I would struggle with saying, "Hey, uh, fancy dressing up as a schoolgirl tonight," because it doesn't make me a paedophile. Of course, it doesn't mean I want to have sex with fifteen-year-olds. Of course, I don't. But there's it's just something that sits. But that thing is different from, as you say, like hanging out of a van shouting at actual schoolgirls. Um, Mo's on the line. Good evening, Mo. Hi, Ian. How are you? I'm very well, Mo. What can we do for you this evening? Can you? I don't have any credit. That's the problem. I thought you were going to call me back. Okay. Well, <laughs> do you want to give us a little tea? We're about. What do you want to say? No, I have no credit, mate. Okay. Well, if if we phone you back, are you just going to be rude about me? No, I'm not going to be rude. Honestly, I don't believe you. Promise on your promise that you won't be rude about me. <laughs> On my mum's life. Okay, fine. On your mum, call, call him back. He's, he's on his mum's life. Call him back, Sam. I can't wait to hear this. Get him straight back. The wife of snooker star Mark Williams drove fans potty when she tweeted she would be riding him <laughs> during a boozy session in Dubai. The forty-three-year-old Mrs. Forty-three-year-old Mrs. Joanne revealed her passionate plans after they'd spent four and a half hours down downing drinks at the pool bar of the Burj Al Arab Hotel. Oh, is that all? Four and a half hours. The couple posted snaps of themselves cuddling in the water after dark. Joanne Forty then tweeted, I am riding at Mark Will 147 tonight. He don't know what he's in for. Getting me drunk and thinking he's going to sleep. No chance, my darling. Get that lube ready. Oh, my God. Fans loved the bawdy banter. With one calling Mark a lucky git, while another messaged, Giddy up, lad. (laughs) Imagine tweeting to your partner... Um, he thinks he's going to get a good night's sleep. No chance, my darling. Get that lube ready. Romantic. Mo, is your lube ready? <laughs> That's a bit inappropriate, Ian. Isn't it? What you got for us, Mo? We've only got two minutes, mate, because we're going to go to the adverts, because it's all been worked out. I was going to say that you're, you're actually surprisingly improving. You know, your show's actually getting quite better. Now, you said you weren't going to be rude, and that's a backhanded compliment. That's passive-aggressive. So try again. Y- your show's brilliant today. Thanks very much for your call, Mo. It's appreciated. It went downhill in the last 30 seconds, but I'm going to turn it around again. Um, 0344 By the way, people, can, can I just say, because I've been sent a very nice tweet, but if people phone up as characters, I don't want to know any. I don't want to know anything about them. I don't want to know anything. 
No, don't spoil them. the magic. Don't spoil the magic. People phone up as characters. That's beautiful. Great. Very rarely are they funny. Yeah. Tonight we had a great one. Yeah. I don't need to know. And then there was Mo. It was a bit of a shame. <laughs> it fell flat. I don't need to. I don't need to know. I don't need to know anything. And it always ruins it slightly. When um, when Pat used to phone in, he used to like Pat phoning in a lot. And then Pat revealed to me who Pat was, and 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 I, and I know who Pat is, and I've I've spoken to them before. It's a really nice person, but it just lost a little bit of the magic for me that I knew who it was and what was it's like going on. When Mike Yarwood used to go, and this is me. Nothing like that at all. Okay, it's like um, when the Wizard of Oz um, like nope. they pull the curtain back and oh, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Nope. All right, it's like. Um, it's like exactly what I've just said it's like and nothing else. It's unique. It's a unique scenario yeah. that doesn't bear... Um... It's like when you look at a hand and you realise it used to be up sooty. I mean, now you sound like um, Carl, that dirty man. Um, don't phone in, guys, because to be honest, you haven't got anything I want to hear. Neon lit night talk for torches, trolley dollies, and train wrecks like me. Boil is gone. Just where the conversation will take you. What I'm going to say sounds ridiculous. The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Where are you going, Boily? She's gone. Just walked out. Paul Ross is on at one o'clock. And um, we were talking about Beverly Craven on Friday, and then we found out she w- she'd been ill, and then we had a good old singer, sing-along, and I said to Kath, we- I used to love, I-, I love Beverly Craven. Can we get her on the show? Well, we got her on the show. You're about to hear her now. We uh, spoke to her about 8 o'clock this evening. What a delightful woman. We just wanted to talk about the tour. She brought up her cancer and her mastectomy, and um, man alive, the- she jokes about it. It was really refreshing to hear. Uh, I think she's brilliant. She's doing a tour. Details are in this. Um, so stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. I present Miss Beverly Craven. Hello, is that Beverly? Ian. Hey, it's Beverly Craven. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm all right. I'm I'm concerned for you, Beverly, because I've got your um, tour schedule in front of me. Yes. It's relentless. What are you thinking of? Tell me. Tell me. I know. It just seems to sort of snowball, because at first it was like, oh, yeah, let's just go out and do a dozen gigs or something. Let's have yeah. a laugh. And then, and then I think our agent just got a bit carried away. Oh, I've booked you in here, and I've booked <laughs> you in there, and I'm like, right, okay, great. How is the show? Because it, it's three of you, isn't it? Yeah. It's you, yeah. Julia Judy Fordham, yeah, and Judy Took. That's. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? I've never uh, met anybody who's met Judy Took, and I've never been sure how to say the name. And I'm so glad I've been saying it right for the last twenty odd years. Yeah, she said it's like she always explains it. Z-double-O-K is how you pronounce it. Well, then write it like that for crying out loud. You know, she is my absolute idol. Really? I used to sit in my bedroom when I was 16 and listen to her Welcome to the Cruise and I Am the Phoenix album, singing along at the top of my, you know, voice. And she really influenced my songwriting. And I always say, I always say in my interviews, Kate Bush, Judy Sue, they're the two women who I just wanted to be. And now I'm in a band with her. <laughs> and, I'm and I'm doing her backing vocals. I tell you, I wake up in the morning and I go, I can't believe this is happening. So how did that, how, how did you end up working with one of your inspirations then? Well, we've got the same agent. Oh, I see. And he started booking her and I was like, oh my God, it's Judy Sook. I said, why don't you put me in a band with Judy Sook and just, you know, fulfil one of my big fantasies and then we can get we can get Ju- and Julia Fordham as well. We can go out yeah. as a threesome, and then because I've never done a threesome before. Steady. And so 
Steady um, on, Beverly. This is going out late at night. There'll be people <laughs> listening with the wrong idea. So, uh, and so then, you know, and here we are, just about to kick off with rehearsals. Oh, that's interesting, because I didn't know that you were doing it as a group. I thought you'd come out and do, you know, 25 minutes, then that someone else would come out. So you're actually, yeah. so what, who is the band? What is the band? Is it just the three of you, or are there more? Oh, no, we're all on stage all the time. Wow. So we're doing each other's backing vocals as well. So, oh, that's is, brilliant. Oh, it's a dream come true, like I said. So, And we've also got a five-piece band who are, who are amazing. It's Julia Fordham's drummer, bass player and keyboard player. Yeah. It's Judy Zook's guitarist. And I've and I just about got in there with my sax player. Oh, OK. All right. Well, that's, you managed to get one of your guys in or gals in. Well, yeah, but we've also got like an 18-piece string section at some of the gigs as well. No, really? I know, oh, yeah. Oh, what a thrill. Be... I mean, you, once you've got to start splitting that money, though, tw- 25 ways, it becomes yeah. a little bit... So which, do you know which shows you've got the, the strings with you? Yes, I do. Oh, well, off the top of my head, oh, that might no, you be don't. <laughs> um, well, I know we're doing. There's a couple of shows in Manchester that are definitely with a string section. I think the Gateshead uh, show is okay, a, and the Guildford show, and I think Basingstoke at the Anvil is. So anyway, it's all on the website, which um, is wtwlive.com. Ooh, okay. I got that in there rather well. Didn't well, well done, and we'll get it in again, and we'll tweet. We'll tweet all of this this oh, nonsense fantastic. and. All, We'll get all that stuff out. I saw you, Beverly. I, I, I loved you. I still love you. We were having a good old sing-along um, to your, your songs the other day on the show, and that's why we thought, let's get see if Beverly wants to come on the show. And, and Aww, so we were thrilled. But I saw you, um, God, it must have been uh, uh, it must have been 25 years ago, yeah. thereabouts, at the Hammersmith Odeon. <gasps> I, I got free tickets from Tampax. Imagine. Right. I, I, my, I saw in my mum's box. I said, free tickets, Beverly. I went, I'm having those, Mum. Um, and um, <laughs> me and my two two male friends came along, and we were sat obviously in the Tampax section of you know the giving away tickets because yeah. it was just surrounded by oh, how women. Is that? It, yes, yes, Tampax they actually sponsored me, and yeah. it was only for a short period. But um, <laughs> is that a joke? <laughs> I, I think it may have been. So um, yeah, uh, so that was it was it was a great series of shows. Yeah. Actually. I think we had like a dozen shows or something, and. And it was amazing. Yeah. They um, they paid for everything: wow. you know, rehearsals, tour buses, hotels, musicians, wow. advertising, the lot. And then they gave me this, you know, very nice um, fee on top. Oh! And it was the first time I'd gone out on tour and actually not lost money. Really? I mean, that was when the I, was. It, I guess it was the first album was the the, the one that, that yeah. got all the Brit nominations and mm. and stuff, and kind of turned you. What, what, what were you before that? Because you suddenly became a huge pop star. What were you doing, you know, the day before that, or the month before that record got released? What was life like? Well, I, um, we released the, uh, the single in the UK, first of all, and then it didn't really happen. But then um, I had a hit in Holland, and then that sort of had a bit of a domino reaction around Europe, and I had hits in France and Germany and uh, Belgium and... The Nether, um, uh, the Scandinavia, and kind of all of so I so I was doing a lot of promotion out in Europe, yeah, um, which was really hard work because I was on a plane like once a week, flying out to Europe all the time, and then we and then the record company re-released everything in the UK after that, and and then it became successful the second time round. 
Isn't it funny? I mean, I mean, it sounds so glamorous. Oh, I was flying all over Europe. But, of course... No, it wasn't. No, exactly. That's it. It, it is a slog, isn't it? If you want to oh. achieve it, you've really got to work hard. It really was a slog. And, you know, I... I Towards the end of it, I mean, I just used to... Uh, yeah, I, don't mean, I don't mean to sort of tell a sob story, but I used to go into my hotel room, chuck my bags down and just <laughs> collapse on the bed and oh, sob. You know, and just be like, God, I can't believe I'm you know, away again, doing a bunch of interviews and miming to a song on the TV. And, yeah, God, was, I used to think a well-trained monkey could have done my job. I'm glad know. you mentioned that, because we don't, you don't tend to see it so much now. People tend to sing live. But in the 90s, mm. yeah. ev- every TV show was pretty much yeah. mimed. Well, How- the technical people couldn't really handle a live right. broadcast like that. Um, so, well, if they did, I mean, occasionally it all went horribly wrong so how did you how do you muster well i suppose it's the job i was gonna say how do you muster the enthusiasm to mi- here's the question when you're miming are you actually singing or are, is nothing yeah. coming out of your mouth no you have to sing really right. otherwise it looks silly you look like you really are miming so <laughs> <laughs> some people do look silly though you know it's a strange old um music television has, has always been a strange beast you do you you must have done top of the pops a few times yes i did that was lovely that was i really enjoyed you know those iconic shows i, mm. I I feel very pri- privileged to have done those. I remember once I did a show in Helsinki, and that was a live broadcast, and I was singing live. Yeah. And they had an audience in the studio, a couple of hundred people or something, and it got to the beginning of the song, and the camera, you know, the, the floor man, the floor guy held up his hands to signify when they were going to go out, and the red light came on the camera, and I couldn't hear anything at all there was no backing track nothing i was supposed to be singing live and so i just had to then play the piano and sing live wow and of course what was going out live was the record and then i was singing all out of time in the studio oh yeah i know all sorts of train wrecks like that (laughs) did you always what what, what, did you always want to be a a, a singer songwriter a pop star was was it judy zook when you're listening as a teenager going yeah i fancy a little bit of this uh, yeah, I think probably from the age of about 16, I used to fantasise about being a songwriter, I think, was the thing. I, I was always quite shy. I didn't think I was the right sort of person to get up on stage and show off. So um, so I thought, yeah, I'll just be a songwriter and I'll just get a publishing deal and then other people can sing my songs. But, yeah. but in reality, once you've written the songs, it's really, really hard to get them placed and to get a publishing deal, whereas if you're an artist as well, sort of selling your own songs. Yeah. Um, well, in those days, you had record deals, and and I was lucky enough to get signed on, on a development deal. So they, they literally signed me and then sent me off to Los Angeles to do sort of writing with lots of different people and wow. recording. And, and so I very much sort of learnt my, the business um, like that, whereas now it's completely different. Well, now nobody... Hardly anybody, a handful of artists, will make money from selling songs. You know, I was going to say CDs, mm. but you don't really get CDs anymore. You mm. know, but the, the, most people make the money from, from the live end, don't they? Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I said, look, why don't we all get together and do this woman-to-woman tour? Because we've all got the, you know, the material, mm. and we've all had hits. Why don't we just go out and, and, and do that, really? And then... 
and yeah, the f- what a great show that would well, be. And the fact that, the, that your agent kept adding dates says yeah. that people want to see it, that there's a market for, for the three of you out as a... a the old phrase was a super know, group. Though, isn't it? When you, when you come up with these ideas, you don't know... You haven't got a clue how it's going to work, really. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, the tickets just flew out and most of the shows are sold out, so we had to then add a second leg. <laughs> which was in, which was in uh, sort of March, April, which we've now had to move to June because I don't know whether you know, but I was diagnosed with cancer last month. I know we 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 read that in the paper. Yeah. How are you doing? Are you how's things going? Yeah, you know it's uh, it's a bugger. What can I say? Yeah, uh, it was a bit of a uh, kind of a shock, but also I I also kind of knew that I would get it again just because. <laughs> I'm a pessimist, I, I suppose. This is, so this is the second time that you've had it? Yeah. And is it breast cancer, if you don't yeah. mind me asking? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the prognosis, they, they, they're saying they can sort it out? Well, they said that they are... What was the phrase they used? They said um, they were expecting a positive outcome. You know, and I think these guys, they do shoot from the hip. They're not yeah. going to... They're not going to, you know, spin you a, a line, are they? No. They, uh, if they thought that my chances weren't good, they would tell me. Yeah. So, uh, so that's that's positive. No, it is. Know. It is. I mean, I had to sit. Uh, the closest experience I've got is I had to sit and hold my mum's hand as she was going through her breast cancer oh, yeah? uh, treatment, and they were very, very honest and very direct and said, "Right, well, we think we can do this. This mm-hmm. is, might happen." And they fixed her. You know, I remember she was she was having the um, the, the chemo or radio, chemo, I think, and yeah. then she and she was all set for surgery, and she was going down to to you know have the, the breast removed and all of this. And the doctor oh, did she have a double mastectomy? She well, this is the thing. She was going down, mm-hmm. and the doctor doing the surgery said, "Look, I'm really sorry. I can't find the lump. I can't find it. So we're going to have to send her off. We're going to have to cancel surgery today. Really? Send her off for a, for another scan." And I was kind of kicking off, going, "Well, this is outrageous." And mm. it turned out that the the chemo had had got rid of it. it, wow. it, it the, the whole time, it it, it it had completely got rid of it. It was it was miraculous. You well, know, they do, that happens. Sometimes they do that before surgery to shrink the tumor so that the surgery yeah. is less invasive. Yeah. So it actually eliminated the cancer. It got rid of it completely. She didn't have to have the operation in the... Oh, she's, she's going in every six months now for checkups and things, and they're keeping yeah. an eye on her. But they... You know, it's it's miraculous, I guess, is what they're saying. They can do amazing things these days, can't they? Well, yeah, I've got to start chemo uh, beginning of December. Well, did you not think of... Because you've actually got the tour dates sort of mm. um, through... Um, they, what does it start? It starts at the end of, end of this month. Blimey. Yeah, Milton yeah, Keynes. Th- 30th of um, October is the first date in Milton Keynes. And then, and then it's all throughout November, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, did you not think, I might knock this tour on the head for a bit and, and go straight in? What, and do the chemo? And do the chemo, thing? yeah. Well, they don't like... You see, I've, I've also had a double mastectomy. Right. And so they don't like to to put you on a course of chemo until you're completely healed. And that okay. was, like, um, two and a half weeks ago. Oh, wow. So you, you really have to wait for six weeks. Yeah, I didn't realise that start. was so recent. Yeah. Oh, man. What a, what a shitty thing to happen, Beverly. Well, do you know what? I look fabulous, Lachester. I look like a model. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It really... You know, I just I have a, a fairly boyish frame, I think. And yeah. I just... And my daughters all say, Mum, you look great. You know, so <laughs> I don't know whether they're just saying that, but I actually feel completely fine. And just think, I can be any size I want now. Yeah. I can have Saturday night boobs, <laughs> or I can just have weekday boobs, depending on what I'm wearing. And you say, I didn't realise that you you'd had the, the operation a couple of weeks ago. You sound very... 
I don't know. You st- I'm still bloody sore, I'll really? be honest. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, which is getting me down a bit. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, if you're in pain all, all the time. It just, it's just really stingy still, but... Uh, you know, there you go. Well, I guess. Well, I, I'm guessing then, and correct me if I'm wrong, that going out and doing a tour with a couple of mates mm. is probably is exactly what you need, isn't it, to kind of lift yeah. your spirits a bit? Oh, Julia, Ju- you know, Julia Fordham as being, she's my guardian angel. Yeah. And she's been here. You know, she came to the biopsy with me, and oh, she wow. held my hand throughout the whole thing. She was stroking my head. She kissed me when we were done. She helped me to get dressed. She's been making my bed. She's been doing my laundry. Wow. my kitchen. What a mate. Oh, she has been unbelievable. You know, not since, you know, I was little and my mum, you know, oh. was looking after me. Have I had such kind of, you know, unconditional love mm. in that way from someone? She is one of the most amazing human beings. And we've bonded so much. Um, throughout this. Isn't that great? She was the first person I told as well. Really? Oh, because she lives with me at the moment, because, you know, she lives in L.A. normally. Oh, I didn't know. I, I was going to say, I, I didn't know that. And, and uh, yeah. how did you meet her? Was it kind of, you know, back in the 90s when you, you're, you're doing all the TV no. shows? No, 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 we'd never met. And wow. then after I suggested the tour and she came over and we sort of discussed everything and I went to pick her up from Heathrow and we just, we were like long, long lost friends. Isn't, isn't that we? funny? But you know when you have that connection with someone yeah. immediately? I mean, Julia Fordham is just such an amazing human being. I'm very lucky to have met her. I mean, Jude's, you know, Jude's fabulous as well. She's just, but she's just my hero, yeah. basically. So so how have, have you started rehearsals yet? Well, kind of. I mean, Jude and Jules came over yesterday and we were running some backing vocals. Um, which is great. Oh, singing those songs I know so well. Um, uh, I love the I, I love the joy in your voice. You've gone all girly. It's brilliant. Uh, you sound like but, you're 15. But we when we get together, it's um, it's just amazing. I mean, there's no way on this planet I'm missing the tour. Yeah, good, good. Uh, yeah. Um, well, you, you've not got. I, I don't want to, you know, worry you. But it's it's the ninth now, and the first yeah. date is on the thirtieth. So, kind of <laughs> got to pull your finger out a little bit. We have got a few days of rehearsals um, a big, end of the end of the month, and then we've got a, a, quite a big production rehearsal, and lots of friends and family are coming down to that. Okay. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Oh, uh, listen! I wish you the best luck. What is the website again? If people want to go and have a look and get tickets, if they can get tickets for any well, of these. You, well, most of the first leg is sold out, if I'm honest. But the second leg is in June, and the website's called wtwlive.com. Okay, all right. I, I love. What a great position to be in. You know, twenty-five yeah. years after you know, know. B- breaking, going. Well, actually, the first half of the tour sold out. So yeah. tough. <laughs> Sorry, guys, you missed it. Um, yeah. Beverly, honestly, I, 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 I've always thought you're brilliant, and I'm so I'm sorry you're not feeling particularly well, and I really hope it gets sorted. And, I, and this this tour is going to be a gas, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, we, me and my producer Kath are going to try and come down if we yeah. can if we can sneak in. Uh, maybe we can come and chat to the three of you at some point because which 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 gig do you fancy? Um, I, well, I'm looking at I'm I'm looking at Barry St Edmunds on the third of November. I mean, I don't know. Can you can you work some magic? What's the venue called there? It does. I don't have the venues in front of me. Oh, I, got I can't s- remember. I can't remember. I'll I'll speak to um. We'll sort something. The agent, and <laughs> or maybe you can come to the production rehearsal. That's oh. going to be a lot. Oh, that oh, going to be a lot. Oh, we'd love to. Yes, yes. Okay. Oh, we'd love to, Beverly. Okay, Joe. Well, um, if I speak to your yeah. lovely assistant. 
Afterwards. We'll, we'll so, sort... Well, lo- she, d- don't call her my lovely assistant. She, oh, is she not? She's the producer and co She's the boss. Oh, OK. I'm the oh. monkey. She's the boss, <laughs> basically. Okay. Um, oh, it's so lovely to talk to you, Beverly, and I really yeah. do hope we can, we can swing it so we can come down and see yeah, the three of you. And uh, best of luck with the tour. It sounds like it's going to be a blast. Thank you, Ian. Nice to chat. Nice to talk to you too, Beverly. I'm going to pass you back to Catherine, the boss, now. See you later. OK, bye. bye.